I have absolutely nothing interesting to say. Welcome to episode 98 of Grumpy Old Ben's. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's Monday, September 28th, 2020. And uh, 49 people were shot in Chicago this weekend. And from America's left coast, where we're bringing back the Chaz. I'm Ryan Bemrose. I mean, that's how you know Chicago's really cool, is that Breitbart always has a story on Monday of how many people were killed in our town the night before, the weekend before. You don't have that in Texas, do you, Fletcher? Not enough people getting killed, Sir John no, I Fletcher. I was going to say, in the in the woods of Northeast Texas, the only thing we're shooting are wild hogs. Hey, well, that's better because then you can eat them. Them's good eating. Good. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying they can't do or don't do that in Chicago? Not wild no, they're, hogs. They're shooting a different kind of pig in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. With the yep. kind that shoot back, and uh, we'll yep. bring in uh, we'll bring in the army to. To, to squash that eventually, I mean, we have such great politicians, they don't see any problem in what's going on. Mayor Lightfoot must be, must be so proud. But uh, how are things in Texas? I'm guessing that Texas is a little bit more sane. And for those who don't know Fletcher, and if you don't, well, then you're probably not a part of the No Agenda community, and there's not a lot of people out there. But if you're, if you are not part of the No Agenda community, you're listening to Grumpy Old Ben's. Fletcher does a podcast called Hog Story. It's available at hogstory.net. You should check it out. But Texas is uh, it's a different breed than definitely Chicago or the Seattle areas. We just like taking it easy. I want, you know, we like being left alone to do our own thing here. And uh, for the most part, that's worked out for us over the years. I mean, there have been campaigns throughout Texas history to get more people to move here. And uh, this whole. Uh, yep. And now it's happening from California move here. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it, though. We need the state always needs new money coming in. But and and at the same time, we also need some sane people. So I'm not sure exactly why they're pushing for Californians to move here. But (laughs) the the people I've talked to, there have been a few people that have come into the music store I work at and they're from California. There was a couple from Sacramento that came in uh, last week and they were really nice. And um when they they came in, they saw we didn't have our masks on because it's just me and my boss. We're not worried about it. They said, "Oh, do we need these in here?" You know, we're like, "Do whatever you want. Wear it. Don't wear it. We don't care." <laughs> They're like, "Oh, okay, good." And they shuck the masks off, and uh, they, they talked for a while. And then when they were leaving, they were like, "Well, you know, don't worry. We're not bringing our California politics with us. We're moving here, <laughs> and we want to learn how how you guys do it here. We want to, you know, essentially, they said they want to assimilate." Yeah. There's there's a word for those kind of people. They're refugees, and you should welcome them. <laughs> well, yeah, because they realize what's going on in California isn't working. So the concept that we should leave California and go somewhere else and bring the same ideas with us, it's like no, that's like bringing the cancer with you. I think they realize too that if they if if they do come here and they want to try and bring California with them, bring the the fucked up politics and 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 economic regulations all that shit with them people are going to kick them out right we will kick you out of the state we'll 
drop you off in Santa Fe and say, they, fuck off. They still if you're do lucky, that in we Texas? might send you to Juarez. <laughs> you might have your nice. body thrown in the back of a pickup truck driven across the state line or at least the county line. And then if you're nice, you'll actually uh, kick the bed down before you roll them off. Yeah, if they're luck. Or we'll just put them in some smuggling tunnel down by the border. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always so, with these tunnels though, that they find in Texas aren't like the things that you kind of think just a couple of kids or something, you know, or just one person, you know, digging that little tunnel out. These tunnels are given like Elon Musk's tunnels, uh, the run for the money when it comes to the technology, how well they're built and uh, and all that. They're serious about having them tunnels, man. Well, that shows that there's a lot of money being put into the drug trade like that. Yeah. And all that money can't be coming just from Mexico. You see, I want to know what happened well, to the good old days. Because I was just watching an old <laughs> episode of Hunter where they were using homing pigeons to move heroin over the border. Those are some <laughs> strong pigeons. Yeah. Well, they, they could carry like two ounces a piece. But, you know, if you have 30 birds, you know, times two ounces. I mean, you can start moving the stuff around. And I mean, nobody's stopping birds at the border. So there's that. Uh, no, that no, still seems terribly inefficient. Real. Right. <laughs> Maybe they are. Well, if, if you've got the drone style birds, I mean, they're mechanical. They probably can. I mean, they can lift good 20, 30 pounds each. Right. Sure. I mean, if they're drones. I don't, I don't know. But the so, the music business, how is that doing, Fletcher? Because oh. we talked about this on one of the last grumpy old Ben's that I saw an article that guitar sales are through the roof and i know you do stuff with like schools and that but it seems like music is really maybe one thing that is doing really well when people are stuck at home well yeah thanks to to youtube and other other places where people can just sit and watch uh a guitar lesson or or bass or anything i've seen all sorts of uh videos for any instrument you'd like to play there's somebody out there that wants to sit in front of a camera and try and teach you how to play it and um I like that. I got a, a lot of clips from a, a chick that was doing that with a uh, an alto flute. And so she was saying all sorts of things when taken out of context. They sound very sexual because she was talking about <laughs> fingering right. and her, her mouth position and all this stuff. But and no, was I, she I mean, hot? Uh, no. Oh. Well, that means no, okay. So now we know voice, Ryan's not looking this up. Was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, I saw that story too. I think I heard you talk about it and then I went and and looked it up and yeah it it's it's perfectly reasonable why uh guitar sales are up because everybody wants to sit at home and learn how to jam and you're not going to buy a, a drum kit because your neighbors are going to be pissed at you <laughs> right so you buy actually buy that a would be a reason to buy a drum kit <laughs> <laughs> or unless you know you live out by yourself somewhere and nobody's going to be bothered with you beating on the drums all day well, I mean, the beauty is with all the, I mean, the guitar makers saying they're having record years. So it's not like just they're up a little bit. They're having record sales years. And as somebody that plays guitars, I know that in a couple of years, if it even takes that long, once especially this pandemic is over, going to be a lot of cheap used guitars because guitar is not something easy to pick up. I mean, no. Brian's going to make a, you know, a joke again about how heavy they are. It's not an easy instrument to learn to play. No, I actually was a lot was, of time and dedication. I was actually restraining myself on that one. <laughs> this, time, know. this time, because you did it the yeah. last time and you learned. OK, that was see you. Who says you can't be? Tra- well, you know, your wife said you couldn't be trained, um, but I don't <laughs> believe her. Oh, I was going to talk about this on on tonight's episode of Hog Story, uh, which we do live. Hogstory.net. You can slash stream, whatever. You can find it if you're smart. Uh, the uh, Billie Eilish. You know, I know you're a fan of her. 
she has a signature ukulele out by uh, Fender. Nice. Yeah, it's only two ninety nine ninety nine. You know, it is nice that some musicians are still playing the actual instruments. And I don't care what kind of music you're making. If you can actually play the instrument, that is a major plus rather than just everything being computerized and synthesized. And it looked for a while. I mean, I know things come and go. They ebb and flow. But for a while, it looked like, you know, anybody that could actually play an instrument that was all dying off and it was all going to be computerized and you're just going to play the background and people are going to jump around on stage and never play an instrument. I'm hoping that goes back to more organic instrument playing. Cause I know that's the stuff I like, and I'm pretty sure that's the stuff you like. And Ryan, I don't know. He's more into like KMFDM and all I'm, that. I'm, I'm still waiting for people to start singing on stage instead of using auto tune. Yeah. Well, most can't do that, which now, is auto tune on stage is a lot more difficult than auto tune in a studio. True. Cause you have far less control. It's not a magic box yet that you Unless can you just, have a, a guy that that's his job he sits back there with a with a you know a 64 note keyboard or something and he's playing the melody that the singer's supposed to be singing while they're singing it because that's how the auto-tune works is it has to have a a reference to correct the pitch right to. you have so, to yeah, tell if it, it was yeah, a magic to match. box that'd be awesome <laughs> like we need that i could have somebody just play the exact key that we're supposed to be in that's uh, maybe that's not a bad idea. There are some guitar pedals that work that way. I know Electro Harmonics has a really, really badass guitar pedal where uh, you plug in your guitar naturally, but you also plug in a microphone. And then based on the chords you're playing on the guitar, it will either auto tune your your pitch for you or build two or three part harmonies based on the chords you play, which that's pretty neat. So you could be your own backup backup singer combining technology and organic see that i'm okay with electro or harmonics that company they've always been good at combining those two trying to keep their pedals as analog as possible but still bringing in a little bit of uh techno wizard wizardry and to make it make it like a step above the rest you know and it's interesting because do you consider i know you're a fan of the band u2 do you consider the edge to be a good guitarist, or do you consider him to be more of a uh, more of a builder, more of a guy who just knows what effects to put the you know through? Because I think most people would agree, you know, he's not Eddie Van Halen or Unigwe Malmsteen or Stevie Ray Vaughan when it comes to the licks and his proficiency at playing, but he knows how to get a sound by using technology. Well, yeah, and if anybody out there goes to a music store or guitar center ask them if you can hook up to a delay pedal or an echo pedal uh you'll find out real quick how easy it is to make it sound like shit yeah <laughs> and the the edge he does a great job at using the delay as part of the instrument to build those textures and layers he realizes he's he's part of the rhythm section and it all yeah sure he's playing chords and that that gives bono something to sing over uh, but the edge uh, he's a great musician and he doesn't get a lot of credit for his keyboard and synthesizer playing a lot of that stuff that's on the u2 records that was the edge and he does it live sometimes too which so is playing the keyboards and the guitars at the same time try that <laughs> that is you need if you need a few more hands or the you, you need the you need the technology because i've seen guitarists that will do the thing like you're talking about that have a not just a quick slapback delay but it's a long 
more more along the lines of a loop where they'll actually play you know the riff and then layer that and then layer that and then layer that and the whole thing just kind of works and you wonder you know how the how the brain puts it together it's really akin to all the stuff that uh, brian wilson did with the beach boys where if you've watched any of the documentaries on their um on the stuff that he's done and you hear the people that he's worked with and there was there was a whole documentary on the what was it called the uh, uh not the cutting crew uh there was uh i'll have to look it up but there was uh, this the band that played in the studio because most of these records that you hear from the 60s and early 70s it doesn't matter who the band is that you're hearing the album who's on the cover the backing musicians were quite often the same group of people that would go in and you know glenn campbell was a part of it before he broke out and these just really talented the wrecking crew maybe that uh was the name of the documentary the name of this group and they talked about working with brian wilson and they're like he would come in and you know there would be 20 or 30 musicians and he would just go from one to the next to the next. Okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And they're like, it was just all in his head. And as he's explaining each individual part to these 20 or 30 people, everybody that's, you know, listening to what he's telling everybody else, like, what the hell is he talking about? But then once they start playing, they're like, holy crap, this works. And it's just kind of a cool thing to be able to do. I wish I had that. Uh, I guess it's kind of like having a multi-track recorder in your brain. Well, yeah. Uh- uh, Les Paul, he was the one that pioneered all of that. The stuff, the music he would do with Mary Ford was exactly what artists still do, like what we were talking about with The Edge and somebody in the chat room mentioned uh, Ed Sheeran doing that too, making loops. Um, Les Paul was doing that shit in the 40s and 50s where he would make tape loops and just do it in real time. Play play a lick on the guitar, loop it on a tape machine, play harmonies or whatever over it, and Mary Ford, she was just as good of a guitar player as Les Paul, and they would trade licks back and forth. He would try and stump her by playing a lick that he thought was too hard for her, and she'd spit it right back at him. <laughs> and uh, they get they get uh, forgot about under under all the other ones that came after them. But Les Paul really pioneered it. I'm pretty sure he's the one that invented multi track recording to begin with. Yeah, and pretty much the electric guitar and all the crazy yeah. sounds you can get out of it. And, you know, there's a lot of even the bands that people know, like the Beatles, I don't think get the credit for exactly how hard it was for them to get the sounds that they were getting out of the technology that they were getting. Now, kids can sit down on a computer, laptop, or even half the time their phone and put together loops and over multi-track stuff you couldn't do that back in the 50s and 60s most of the time in back in the 50s all those old elvis tracks it's like they played the track live you know the early beatles the same way they played the track live and that was it they did it until they got it right it wasn't (laughs) well that was george martin too for the beatles he's he's practically the fifth member of that group that was him was he also had this multi-track in his head he he knew how he would accomplish the sounds that the Beatles wanted. They'd come to him with an idea and they're like, okay, with all your, you know, your magic here in the, in the studio, you figure out how, how to make it happen. And he, he always would. He did crazy stuff with their music that, I mean, considered crazy in the day. Nowadays, we, we take all that kind of crap for granted because you can do all that in uh, Adobe Audition. Yeah, it was four track 
And then I think that was still four track up through Sergeant Pepper. And then the White Album, I think they, from the stories I remember reading, they went and like took one of, they had a new like eight track machine and they went and like grabbed it and start playing with that. But these weren't like, you know, unlimited tracks, like exactly like you can get on your laptop now. And you can go in when you're making music on any of these, uh, in any of these programs, like even GarageBand is fairly simple, but Logic X on, uh, on the Mac and there's other Pro Tools and stuff for Windows. You can put every little touch you want on every track, meaning you can, you know, oh, we'll have, add a little reverb on this track. Oh, we'll add flange on this. And you can keep messing with stuff. Back in the day, I mean, you had to pretty much record with the effects you wanted. You couldn't go back and play with it. and. Uh, I mean, it really is amazing that some of those old recordings sound as good as they do. And I think we just take it all for granted now that you go, oh, yeah, this was uh, this sounds great. But, yeah, it's from the 50s or 60s. And nobody even stops to think that the technology has totally changed. And I do think there's unfortunately because of the gear that they have now, the technology that's there, that the level of musician is not what it used to be there's still some great musicians don't get me wrong i mean prince who just died recently of course was one of the best guitar players out there but it seems like there's less now and i would like to see more people get back into it there's still some around there's this band called animals as leaders where i'm pretty sure it's just two dudes and they play eight and nine string guitars so they can get both the the high notes of a six string guitar but also low notes of, of a bass all on the same instrument and they do crazy shit with like two-handed tapping and and all this this stuff and so i mean there are still guys out there that are innovating it just seems like they're harder to find because everybody can record their own music in their house i mean i do it too but that's all thanks to tom tom schultz uh, the guy schultz the guy from boston the guitar player right he invented the guitar preamp in his basement for that first that first uh, Boston album. So without him, we wouldn't be able to sit at home with a you know multi multi effects guitar pedal because that was that was all him. He did, MIT guy. He just came up with that shit all on his own. Well, he like played all the instruments too, right? I mean, he pretty much was the band, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, that- well, that first one he did all the guitar parts and uh, the organ parts, the electric organ stuff. I know he. They had uh, somebody else come in and do the drums, and then and then obviously the the singer. Uh, what's his name? No. Brad Delp. Yeah. Uh, he sadly he's dead. Sadly, but um, yeah, no that. But that was all still in in Tom Schultz his basement. Yeah, and well, the last guy I remember pulling this off, I think, if I'm not mistaken, John Fogerty's center field album was him playing every instrument. He that was mm. him. You know, it's like. Okay, there's musicianship, and then there's that when you can play every instrument, every track on the album yourself. That's, oh yeah, like Paul McCartney did with those first couple of Wings albums. It was just him and Linda, but mostly him. Well, yeah, I mean Linda couldn't really add much to the mix. I mean, well, he taught her how to play the synthesizer and how to twist the knobs rhythmically. <laughs> no, she wasn't that great. <laughs> that sounded dirtier than you may have meant it to. <laughs> Would you like to You'd take it however you want? Twist the knobs rhythmically. Uh, the I was listening to some of the outtakes from Flowers in the Dirt, a great McCartney album, one of his better ones. Once he came back out and uh, 
and start touring again in the 80s when he was working with Elvis Costello. And he is one of the best pop songwriters of all time. But he, I think, gets a lot of hate. Maybe that's a strong word, but I think he gets a lot of people that don't give him credit because he is to music what I am to no agenda art, which is I throw everything but the kitchen sink out there and some of it's good and some of it's not. And McCartney releases some really, really good stuff. And then he also releases some stuff where people are like, yeah, no, I, I don't 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 like that at all. It's it sucks. And uh, he, he also kind of set the 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 template for a pop song. Paul McCartney did with the Beatles. I mean, and, and so we all we all know the format. We, we all expect to hear certain things in certain places when it comes to pop music. And so he just keeps doing it. So, of course, he's going to make good stuff. He's he's the one that made the template, almost like you with the art. Uh, you know, I, I know I, I look not really at the idea you're doing, but the the way you lay it out with your your background colors and the, the fading and the shading and all that stuff. I try and replicate that. I won't lie. I'll copy you sometimes. There is a formula. Your ideas. Yeah, I won't copy your ideas because that's that's blatant. (laughs) But I love I mean, this is this is inside baseball. And if you're not a no agenda fan, this probably won't mean much to you. But comic strip blogger and his war with Nick the Rat. I mean, this is a great community (laughs) for people who don't know, you know, no agenda and all the community around it. Comic strip blogger and Nick the Rat don't like each other. So every time Nick the Rat does a piece of art, comic strip blogger will copy it to try and lessen the impact <laughs> of the art. And it's and it's genius. And they did that with uh, the root because John Dvorak kept calling Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, was it Gator Bader? Ruth Gator? Yeah, Ruth Gator Binsburg. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Carolyn would do that on Hog Story a, a while ago. And we came up with this alternate persona for Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg that was Ruth Gator Binsburg, but she was a DJ. Oh, was she a, was she a, a an alligator DJ or? Um... No, I think Gator was just uh, her nickname because of how snappy she was, how snappy her responses could be. <laughs> hey, how you doing? It's Gator in the morning. Um, <laughs> Ruth Gator Binsburg. <laughs> I mean, really, that's uh, somebody should use it as a DJ name. Keep Keith RBG's legacy going. But that was great yesterday. Nick the Rat did a piece of an alligator that kind of looked like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then it was it was great. I, I thought it was great. And CSB's was great as well in a way that totally made me laugh. <laughs> his his I mean, Nick has a certain style where, you know, immediately I saw it. I didn't even have to hover my mouse over it to see who did it. I knew yes. Nick the Rat. And then CSB has his own hand drawn style too. And uh, of course he called it Dino instead of a gator. <laughs> She's a dinosaur. <laughs> yes. But, and- I mean, alligators are dinosaurs. And Mike Riley has his own style as well. And I was just kind of hoping going for the hat trick, especially since a CSB laid the gauntlet down and said, oh, if you win art, I give point oh oh three three Bitcoin to grumpy old Ben's this month. If not, no donation. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I had something on the line and uh, well, you did it early that the piece that got picked, that was one of your your first ones that you put out. Yeah. And I thought it was the best, really. And uh, I did that piece of art and this was maybe. 20, 30 minutes into No Agenda's three-hour show, so that gave me time to do four more pieces during the show, because it's guerrilla art, and I, I yeah. did that piece, and I looked at it, and my wife was off, because it was Sunday, and she was at the computer next to mine, and I'm like, hey, I, you know, I think I think we have a winning piece already, 
And she went and looked it up and just went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for all the, uh, thanks for the love. And uh, it was vindication when that one won because it, it really is not about the art being good. It really isn't about technique. It is about the point that is getting across. And if John and Adam find it to be funny, so you kind of combine a couple of different things sometimes with don't necessarily make sense. And, uh, you know, it just plain works. In this case, it was Air Force One with a mask on. And I thought it kind of worked <laughs> good because, of the you know, when it came down to it, the mask was just the, because of the uh, artwork, the photograph of the mask that I found, which was just, you know, for an advertisement for a mask on Amazon or something, just happened to be close enough to looking like the front of the airplane that just with a little bit of tweaking. I mean, it looked really good as far as the fit of the mask on the plane. And I think that's what sold it more than anything else. Oh, yeah. The angle of the mask matched the angle of the plane. That's always tricky too. finding finding pieces to put together that that are at the same angle. Yes. Otherwise, you have to mean Photoshop can only do so much. Yeah. And uh, that's the same thing. You know, art now is the same thing with music. Computers are touching things up. Computers can recreate your voice. I mean, I don't know. I don't think we talked about this with you, but we know that there is there's a uh, a website out there now. And there are other I'm sure there's more than one doing this that will allow you to teach it your voice. So it gives you a script to read, to train it like a lot of these things do now that just want to understand what you're saying for all of the voice commands and that or for security, meaning it would be nice. That if your Amazon device would only reply to you, because that way anybody else that walks into your house and is like, hey, unlock the door, it wouldn't work because it wouldn't have your voice. But there's a service out there, probably more than one, that once it learns your voice, you can just give it some text and it will make it sound like you are saying it. And it's just bizarre stuff. All of the news all of the you know anything that you're seeing or hearing online at this point i think you have to question whether it's actually legitimate or not well that's kind of scary too with the with it learning your voice and then you can just tell it tell it what to say and it's like hello i'm john and i'm a total dick face yeah and, and then, then somebody everybody could just... would believe it but so <laughs> i mean are we training the technology or is it training us is it gearing us up for when it takes over it's like ah you already gave us everything we need. I mean, I don't know. Irrelevant. We're not even sure if uh, Ryan is an actual person or just an AI. I, I have never figured that one out yet. Yeah, probably. Probably just an AI. And Lisa's there by herself with cats and she just powers up the, you know, the Ryan machine. <laughs> how do you really? How do you power up the Ryan machine? Coffee, I I'm, guess. He's. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did somebody finally remember that I'm on this show? Usually you just interrupt. I mean, you told me that was your system. <laughs> Usually you talk about things that are even remotely related to the topic of the show, like technology or politics. Hey, we but were talking about music show technology. Art. Yeah. Music technology. People like music. If you haven't realized a lot of the people no, I'm just, like music, I, I have absolutely nothing interesting to say. Well, okay. About, that's right. Okay. There's about the music, ISO <laughs> about no agenda show art. Okay, now he's going to be quiet. Shh. I just, no. Go ahead. I, hey, so I do have actual content if you're interested. Sure. What do we got? Actually, it's it's extremely uh, low effort content. I've got a top 10 list. 
Oh, I just like Letterman. I, I do miss. That was the one thing I always liked with Letterman because they were good within the first few years. But then he started phoning in those top tens. And uh, what do we have? Like the top 10 reasons. Oh, so, well, th- this one is uh, as compiled by uh, um, city population growth rates and uh, real estate sales. Which cities in America are people abandoning the quickest? Oh, it's OK. Which and, cities and- are people? Just getting the hell out of Dodge the most. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it's arranges a top 10. So I'm going to make you guys guess. So the city, are we, we want to start with the one that's losing the most people first. And then is that what the. Well, you, you can just throw out cities. I'll tell you where it is on the list. Well, New York. New York is number four. Wow. Though like, there's hmm. just three cities that are hemorrhaging there, people more than New York. Yes. De- Detroit. Detroit is not on the list. Yeah. There's and- nobody left. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, there's no one there. Right. Ned. <laughs> okay, I'll give you the ones you're not going to guess. Uh, ten is Atlantic City, nine is Milwaukee, eight is Houston. Interesting. Oh, yeah. All I'm of the rest. Of- they're leaving there. Well, the floods and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Houston might have other reasons than the civil unrest. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? What San Francisco? What San Francisco. Yes, number two. Oh, oh. Uh, how about Denver? Denver, no. Everybody's moving there because they want to get their weed. Yeah, people are moving to <laughs> Denver. Los Angeles. Los Angeles, number seven. Wow. Okay. So there's something more than L.A. There's something more than San Fran. There's something more than New York. Um, Seattle. Seattle's number three. Oh. Uh-huh. Portland? Portland is number one. Wow. Uh, there it is. And it wasn't that. I mean, it was a big city, but comparative to like New York, I mean, they're going and, by percentages. Is this or just total people? And rounding out the top 10, number six is Washington, D.C. And number five is Chicago. Oh, well, I don't blame them for that. Oh, just I, I don't know. If I, I just I, I came across this list and I'm like, you know, we talk shit about all these cities all the time. Well, it's because of the great leadership that a majority of these cities have. And I'm guessing, OK, so if we go down the list, but we've got Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago. Um, I, I'm not hearing any that are run by Republican mayors. None. Uh, well, I mean, going going down the list, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, Chicago, D.C., Los Angeles, Houston, Milwaukee and Atlantic City. I don't know much about those last two. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who's the mayor of Houston or Milwaukee, to be honest. But uh, the top five, definitely. We have <laughs> cities that I mean, this I think this is a good sign from the sense that I do believe this shows people are getting tired of the crap that's going on. And uh, I mean, moving is a legitimate thing to do. This is why we have a Fediverse. When it comes to the United States, every state has different laws, every city. And if you want to get the hell out of one, you can. And once everybody abandons a city, then it's dead. It's gone. And I really think we are going to have some major issues in the places like New York and San Francisco, where they're going to have problems for decades to come because of the issues that are happening right now. And it doesn't help that you have a pandemic, whether you people believe it's real or not. The whole way this was handled is uh, is a little bit telling for where you want to be when the next pandemic hits. And I think everybody will agree there is going to be another one at some point. 
You probably well, yeah. don't I mean, want to be around This one was people. so successful. Yeah, they got to go. Well, <laughs> it's like a movie, right? You got to have a second one now. The electric. It's got to be a trilogy. Everything's a trilogy nowadays. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm waiting for Houston. the. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm I'm just waiting for the COVID cinematic universe to be announced. <laughs> 20 movies yeah coming this fall to a theater near wait no we've closed all those oh yeah no yeah, to a streaming service near you uh-huh. lockdown near you yeah i was looking up houston they have had democrats running the show there since 1982 so no surprise no surprise the current mayor is sylvester turner and he's the one that's been doing all the we're gonna fine you if you're on the streets without a mask sort of deal oh, God. So. yeah well i, I mean <clears throat> that is the kind of thing that makes me want to get the hell out of a city that's why you know i'm I, I don't live in seattle i live close but i don't think i've been in the seattle city limits uh other than just driving through on the freeway in eight months now because if you don't have any reason to ever go to the city i mean what you know what are you going to do go down to the downtown boutique shops no after months of rioting there aren't any open well And it's interesting when you see these places, because it seems like Chicago, Seattle are pretty much the same in the sense of the cities are highly democratic. And then once you get out into the suburbs, it goes very much Republican, at least out in our area. That's not how the left coast works. No, the whole left coast is pretty much screwed. So, well, no, the, the, the way the left coast works is that the downtown city core is pure communist. And then there's (laughs) like the the outer neighborhoods of the city that are merely socialist. And then you get out to the suburbs and they're all voting Democrat. Well, and we used to think, you know, Texas, the land of the free, these were the badasses who believed in freedom, no matter what, how did these Texas cities start going democratic? I don't get it. Which mm-hmm. people from outside the state moving in is what I'm guessing. And, uh, wanting to bring all their, everything with them. Uh, but hey, who I mean, I think just slowly over time, the same as how how it's worked everywhere is just slowly over time. You start taking a little bit more away. Oh, they didn't complain when we did this. Why don't we see if we can do this? Yeah. And, and oh, well, with Houston, yeah, I no, think it's but, a gradual thing, too, because uh, it, it's on the coast. And so you have all that port activity. It's close enough to New Orleans where when Hurricane Katrina uh went through there a lot of people left new orleans and moved to houston isn't houston like 50 miles from galveston only in texas is that considered on the coast i'm just saying it's close enough to where if a hurricane comes it it can mess stuff up mess stuff up in houston i that city is too big for me and certain parts of that town all you can smell are petrochemicals i don't enjoy that the water out well, in the Gulf the, of Mexico around Houston is disgusting. Even down around Galveston, I know people that want to go to Galveston. Let's go party this summer in Galveston. We're at a condo. Like hell no, I don't. I'm not a fan of swimming in gray water. <laughs> I'd rather take a few more hours, drive further south to where you can swim in some nice clean water. So, so you're you're anti the brain eating amoebas. Yeah, I'm not all for that. You know, if I'm not familiar with a a body of water, I'm not going to swim in it. A lot of the so-called lakes around here, they're all man-made just from damming up a creek or a river. And sometimes they they run stagnant. You don't get any fresh water in there. And that's when you start getting brain-eating amoeba and other things that are not good for you. Well, you you are invited anytime you like to come swim in the Pacific out here. It is 
really clean and beautiful and also and 36 degrees right <laughs> yeah well that would be refreshing i think they call it right yeah it's refreshing just come out risk yeah it's a it's a brisk beautiful way just jump in the ocean they the people that do that and not just here in chicago they do this everywhere in the winter where they have the polar bear clubs and they go out when it's like <laughs> 20 below and jump in the water and it's like yeah no well, when the air is 20 below the water is extremely warm <laughs> comparatively speaking <laughs> you're like yeah get in there man it'll be you'll be warm up but then you have the to get out sauna. yeah you have to get out of the water though and then that's when you turn and into then a you human. better have paramedics on hand yeah you're a human popsicle at that point because <laughs> you like freeze immediately when you come out and uh you know it's like uh, yeah i i saw somebody on a, one of these videos online doing a chocolate piping into a bowl of ice water and they're like oh and the chocolate immediately freezes once it hits the water it's like no it doesn't it just gets back to its normal texture and temperature which you know chocolate well, is not liquid to uh to start that, with that is that is freezing well, that's like when you know when you pour uh liquid metal into uh, uh you know something cold be like oh look the metal's freezing because it's dropping below three thousand degrees <laughs> how dare it I had some good times so. though. Yeah. I, I have you ever done that? With metal or with a chocolate? <laughs> if, I, I was wondering if you've ever done a polar bear club. No. No, I'm not in, crazy. I'm in the liquid chocolate, for example. I'm well, I, I'll say, I no, okay, wait. Now that's that that's adding to more fun if you're doing it into chocolate rather than, you know, like lake water. But no. And if you do it in a liquid metal, that's a completely different kind of fun. Yes. Have you <laughs> it, I don't think you could like jump into liquid metal though because even though it's liquid it's still more dense than, oh yeah than you, we are you'd i think land you would on, just like belly flop on a lake of liquid water uh, liquid metal that'd be the oh yeah it, you. You, you you'd land on top and kind of splat a bunch and, and you'll break some bones or something as if you were hitting concrete and then you'd burn to death again but yeah. uh have you tried jello wrestling I, I unfortunately I haven't found any jello in my weight class that, that could give me a challenge. <laughs> okay, well played. Well played. Well uh everybody you know, think the minute somebody says jello, I just think Bill Cosby and that just brings up a whole nother uh you know thing with the pudding pops and okay, if, if, uh, if if you're gonna wrestle him, just make sure that the ref <laughs> is nearby. I don't think he's interested in me. No, I, I don't. I think he, he goes a different way. But are, are you willing to take that chance uh, for some free pudding pops? I mean, you never know. <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike? Right. Product? What would you do for a Klondike? No, it's, what's really good are the uh, Mickey Mouse ice cream bars, even though Disney's an evil, horrible company. The Disney ice cream bars that look like Mickey Mouse chocolate covered. Those things are good. Just saying. If anybody. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Any ice cream covered in chocolate. is Good. No matter what shape it is. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah, true. And uh, you may you may have some different shapes if you're listening to the Hog Story show or if you're listening to Nick the Rat's latest episode with Illuminati of their origins of things. See, they somehow didn't think they were going to get banned on Facebook for doing an episode on porn. And I tweeted like, what did you get? Hog Story? No, uh, Nick the Rat and Illuminati. Oh, yeah. okay. Their their video of their new podcast, which is origins of things and stuff. They've covered things like alcohol and uh, domestication of animals and all of this. Well, their latest one that was posted yesterday, I think it was, was the history of pornography. And YouTube pulled it off within a couple of hours. And I just commented on the Twitter 
feed that they had and the uh, the thread. And I'm like, what did you kids do? And Illuminati responded with, well, there were a lot of penises. And it's like, well, did well, you not did you not think YouTube was going to pull that? Um, well, I think that's discrimination what, against exactly? men. Kind of it, maybe. Well, because if a if a a woman got on there and she was talking about uh, porn are, in ancient Egypt and how wonderful the the stone chiseled vaginas were, there would are, be. Are no you going to tell me that a full beaver wouldn't be censored by YouTube? It's hard to say, I guess. I don't know exactly. I haven't read their terms of service in a long time. Now I feel like we need to test this. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're if you're all for women's empowerment, and you want to show you know how how woke the ancient Egyptians were. I think that would fly with them as long as you weren't showing, you know, the full beeve right there, but you alluded to it by showing, I don't know, shapes of ovals or something, whatever you could, you could say represents the vagina. I think they would be fine with that, but it's, it's, it's easier to go. That's a penis. Nobody should see it. Remove the video because agreed, you know, a long, long ovular object. I, I, Ovular I may not have I been the right word, but you know, a, a stone dildo. I don't get Puritan censorship. I I just don't understand why I, Americans, in particular, even even the ones on the left who you know they are are still in the party that claims to be liberal, um, still seem to think that the human body is something to be ashamed of. Now, now maybe if your human body looked like mine, you should be ashamed of it, but not in general. Well, it, it just uh, comes back down to the the question of censorship. I mean, this goes all the way back into the 80s with Al Gore and his wife, Tipper, when they started doing the parental stickers on albums. And I don't have a problem with having any kind of adult content. I mean, but you can have days worth of arguments over what is adult content, but marking stuff as such. I don't have a problem with. And we know this with podcast you from day one. Oh, it's the yeah. explicit tag. I mean, do you have the oh, explicit you got a little E over there? Uh-huh. Which I mean, I think just makes the kids want to fucking hear your show more. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for metadata. Adding information is always good. Having more information about what you're doing, having filterable information always benefit. But don't censor. Don't decide for me that I can't watch it. Yeah, well, exactly. I agree. The thing as is, as long as somebody's not out there trying to trick you into into seeing, uh, you know, whatever, like a bag full of dicks or something, you're like, oh like, god, like, I didn't want to <laughs> see that. I was going to watch a a video on how to play Billie Eilish on ukulele. Yeah, I saw I saw a great documentary on that uh, at uh, lemonparty.org. That should probably, check it out. Probably someplace <laughs> nobody wants to go. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to go. But see, this is this all comes down to my concept, which is. It's not the world's job to protect what you see on the Internet or what your kids see on the Internet. That's your job, not the world. Your kids are never going to be safe on the Internet. This is a fool's errand to think that the Internet is ever going to be safe for any child ever. It's just never going to happen. But this is what we or, keep or to think push. That the world is going to be safe. No. Well, that was the I mean, internet of, is not exceptional. It's a reflection of what goes on in the world out there. The world is not a safe place, and that's why kids have parents. Well, see, but here's the problem. I mean, we had the George Floyd thing, and of course, because of the George Floyd thing, the logic the world used was all cops are bad. We have to get rid of all cops. Is that the truth overall? I mean, I know I'm generalizing a little bit, but that was what happened and the reaction. Correct? Yeah, pretty much. Well, this weekend in Chicago. 
a five-year-old girl was stabbed to death by, by her mother. So, I mean, all mothers are bad now, right? Because we're using that same logic and we must get rid of all mothers because uh, it, you, we have to ban you keep assault using, knives. Yeah. You keep using that word logic. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I think it does. I just don't think people understand logic. If one Not thing anymore. is true, the other must. Well, and back to YouTube with their, their censorship of men parts versus women parts. Uh, for my show, I've been trying to find angry cam girls that are shouting at the screen because they're not getting enough gold. Because to me, it is hilarious. It, <laughs> that never gets old to me. Is there, oh, I'm so upset you didn't give me gold and I'm showing you stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was looking for, looking for these videos <clears throat> and I found one. And of course, she's not naked, but she's sitting there. Her cleavage is all out. Her tits are yeah. pushed up to her chin. And the audio is terrible because she is overloading her microphone every time she screams. It's just a oh, block God. of, I can't believe you say that to me. And she's, but I and people anyway, wonder why so. we mute porn. <laughs> and so, but that, I found that clip on YouTube. It's like a, a five or six minute video of this, this cam girl. And you notice, and they the, the text is scrolling by from her, the chat room she's in so you can read all this terrible shit they're saying to her and you can you can see her big knockers uh and nipples poking through her tank top but that's not taken off youtube that's still there and it's got like however many tens of thousands of views so why was, why was can't she under illuminati talk about ancient egyptian penis was she underage because that that might be an explanation why they'd leave it up uh, no she looked she looked like she's my age in her 30s huh. okay now this is an interesting job title. I mean, let me ask you this. Does cam girl come higher or lower on the food chain than podcaster? Does camp does cam girl come <laughs> if you pay her enough gold? Yes. Yes, she does. Um, uh, no, does, I does think, she or does I she fake it? I think it's pretty low on the, the rung there, and I'm pretty sure they all fake it. I mean, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, that's easy. I, if, I, I fake all my orgasms. Somebody, uh, well, there you go. I mean, you if somebody would be wife, man. Yeah. If somebody would pay Ryan enough, he'd be on video right now doing whatever they wanted to be like, all right, cool. Easy money. I, they, they might pay me to not do that. Honestly, I need to look <laughs> into this opportunity. This is an even better way to go. If you can get people to pay you not to do things, then that's even better. But the yeah, I think cam girl is pretty low on the rung of of uh, professions, whether it's lower or higher than podcaster. That's to be determined. And I do think as a society as a whole, we have an issue because I do the rock and roll pre-show, you know, before no agenda on Thursday and Sunday. And I always, well, not always, but I quite often go look at the birthday list for that day to see, okay, whose birthday is it? And I was nice. It was, uh, um, 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 I'm blanking on her name. The, the female the birthday skater boy, a birthday list. The there's a website like famous birthdays, a skater boy girl. Oh, famous. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Avril I thought maybe you Avril. Yes. Yesterday was Avril Lavigne's birthday. I didn't play one Avril Lavigne song on the pre-show because, oh, that's a good gift. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> I had some, but I didn't play it. But I look at these lists and the one celebrity birthday site that always comes up first. So, I mean, they're the ones obviously with money, but it's amazing now that like 80% or so of the celebrities that show up on any given day are TikTok star or personality, YouTube star. <laughs> and they're often like, I mean, the one was like a nine year old girl. And it's like, 
whose so parents the word are celebrity you- is in air quotes here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have to use the air quotes for famous person. And this is where society's going. And I just don't understand how you're a famous, you know, TikTok personality or a famous. And it's like, do you think this is like a job? I don't understand uh, what it is, but obviously this whole racing after the likes. I mean, I get the cam girls. I get the, you know, the people with only fans or whatever site you're using where you're generating money. But it's just a very dangerous thing i think when you have young kids on these platforms that their whole self-worth is oh like you said give me the gold or give me the likes or give me the views and it's kind of it's but, kind but of sad of that this is a celebrity now that, that's all of social media that's that's what i mean that that's the the key to facebook is the the facebook skinner box of of you know post something immediately and and then you get your random reward and the reward is is the likes which give you every time the the little like number ticks up you get a shot of dopamine now let me ask you this cuz i've seen a few people post in relation to that the social media movie what's i blanking on the name of that do i have oh, a uh, yeah cuz i haven't seen it but no i haven't either the social contract or something like that uh the but i'm seeing people posting oh um, I'm staying off of social media until the election. I'm not reading news and I feel much healthier. And it's like, okay, the social media thing I get, I think it's kind of scary when people are burying their heads in the sand and not following any news. I mean, I'm not saying you should be watching CNN 24 seven or any news. It's called network. the social dilemma, the social dilemma. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had to look it, it up. What somebody had to, <laughs> well, Sir Spencer had it. And uh, and Druppenheimer, Druppenheimer in the troll room at available at noagendastream.com. And we do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon Eastern. But I think it's kind of sad and dangerous that going up to a presidential election, that there's a lot of seemingly otherwise rational people who are like, yeah, I'm just going to avoid all news. Like, well, that's not an, an answer. You're sticking your head in the ground isn't an answer. Now, doing the work. Uh, have you seen the news? It's actually pretty goddamn healthy to avoid a lot of it. It depends what you call the news. I mean, that is, I guess, another argument that could be made. Because, well, like I said, well, what do you think they call the news? I don't know. I don't this know. Thing they're avoiding. I mean, are we news? We we we're technically analysis, but this is um, news to me. I, <laughs> well, you, I, and, you know, I I get I don't follow the a lot of the the mainstream news i don't follow the i don't follow cnn i sure as hell don't watch c-span um so i get a lot of news from no agenda and they swear they are not news they're not journalists they're analysts but that you know that's fine but if the analysis is the first thing that i've heard about a story yeah well that is they do cover what's going on it's very rare where there's something that's headline news anywhere else and then the next no agenda comes around and that's not one of the top stories. So, yes, there's a breakdown of the news in a way, but they're doing what no agenda's concept is, I believe, is what the average rational person should do. And I know that's getting harder to find, but that is to take the story that's being pushed in the media, look at it from multiple sides, from multiple sources and see exactly where you can figure out where the truth lies because that's the hard part at this point because there's always bias there's always people cutting off quotes at very in uh, or very opportunistic places 
And uh, that's the one thing Kaylee does really good. The White House press secretary, Kaylee, what's McInerney, McInerney, uh, that the media will come out with. Well, President Trump said, blah, blah, blah. And what do you say about that? And she's like, well, what did he say right after that? Well, I don't know. Well, no, go back and read the whole quote. <laughs> well, OK, he said, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. OK, now your question's answered. Oh, you know, it's, you know, speaking of bias, I have a Google story. Oh, the Google, the evil Google. <laughs> Tell us more. I'm trembling uh, right now. <laughs> this one, this one came from a, a firm called, uh, and I, this is going to sound terrible with this thing in my mouth, called Systrix. Systrix. Uh, yeah. The, I, I can't say the S sound very well. That, That's okay. That I mean, if, terrible you, for me, if you missed but, the last episode of Grumpy Old Ben's, uh, Mr. Bemrose had some dental work done and uh, he's learning to speak again. So, yes. And, and badly, I'd, I'd like to point out. <laughs> well, you were never that good so, at speaking before. Well, uh, yeah. So if I can get up to my previous level, then I'm still bad. I'm good with that. Right. Um, okay. They, uh, they are a firm that tracks millions of search keywords over time to see how sites rank. Um, and uh, the, the main thing that they track is, is the Google, like, you know, uh, lots and lots and lots of, of people in on the internet pay a hell of a lot of money to figure out how the F the Google algo works for, for search ranking. So these people are analyzing it. So, I mean, I'm sure they make money doing that. Um, But one of the things that they came up with that they discovered was um, that somewhere in the last six months, uh, I, well, uh, this actually, um, there was a point a day in July that they noticed that certain sites uh, specifically Breitbart daily caller and the federalist all had their search rankings drop off a cliff. Right. Um, and by the way, the, the sites were all contacted in the story and they confirmed the traffic did in fact drop. Um, so what was, what, what they discovered was that if you search, like if you put the word Breitbart into Google, then you would still get Breitbart as, as one of the first results, not always the first one, but one of, um, but if you went to, like if you went to the site and pulled the text of one of the articles that is highly placed and searched for that, or if you search for the name of one of their reporters, then, you know, like, uh, uh, what the hell was his name? Justin Friedman or something. I don't, I don't remember that. But if you take one of the reporters who posts regularly to Breitbart and you search for his name, then Breitbart was on page seven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And um, they uh, <laughs> apparently Google had uh, released uh, a it said a public document, which did not say press release. So I'm not sure if this was a leak or what. But uh, in 2019, they said that they would be adding human generated expertise slash authoritativeness slash trustworthiness to ranking results. Um, there's another word for that called bias. Right. Did they um, use the but- term authoritativeness? They use the term authoritativeness. Ding, ding, wow. ding. They, they, are, they are having humans rate, rank sites by expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And uh, in, in the, what, I guess what was released was the instructions to the humans who are doing this, which includes things like uh, instructions to give the lowest ranking to news-related content that contradicts well-established expert consensus. <laughs> uh, ah. <laughs> so uh yeah hello cdc hello right. who right um 
Oh, and uh, the example that was actually given in the document was uh, to go to Wikipedia to determine whether or not a site was credible. Uh, in wow. particular, if Wikipedia listed a number of journalism awards, then the site was to be considered more credible. And this translates in Yalgo directly to whether or not the site is receiving search results from Google. They have to consult the book of knowledge there at Google. Yeah. Yes. To build yes, in more bias. So I, I, I don't think I even have to say just how much, especially you know, and n- nobody out there is like rubbing their hands together and saying, "Well, oh, these conservative sites, we're going to have to just, uh, uh, you know, downvote there, you know, downgrade them. But uh, by using things like Wikipedia, which, by the way, even Larry Sanger, the founder of Wikipedia, has put out a, a, a blog post which said Wikipedia is badly biased because it is. Um, so if if your authoritative sites are badly biased um and you have humans who you you're you're almost certain that you know they're they're most likely google employees but even if they go out in in san jose and grab 50 people off the street and then show them these things and be like rate them all you're you're taking people out of the bay area right so you're getting whatever bias you have there you you know that humans are inherently biased and you can guess which way these humans are inherently biased you're using sites and, and sources that are biased, and you are now ranking news sites and and basically putting a, a weight on the scale of whether or not they get any search results or any traffic from Google based on your internal bias. And do you remember uh, this was back in 2018 uh, when uh, somebody named Dr. Robert Epstein, uh, he he testified to Congress that, um, you know, he, he even though he supported Hillary Clinton in 2016, he was very bothered because he did research on exactly how Google could sway the election by a minimum of 10 points. Yeah. Well, Which is why the other Epstein came around. To they're doing it. Become a Google bomb. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it, oh, it yeah, doesn't look like they need under. Google bombs anymore. Well, I mean, they here- just have somebody somebody pushing a database that says. These people are not trustworthy and your site gets no traffic anymore. Well, and people have to know how these systems work when it comes to search engines. Because Google bombs are a thing. Our buddy, Matt Dubiel, who is the uh, guy over at WCKG here in Chicago, he asked if I had a link a couple of weeks ago or so to the story about Rogan when he wanted off of Spotify. Because this happened, you know, a couple year or two ago, Rogan realized hey, I'm not making any money on your service. Screw you. I want my podcast pulled. And how do you find that now? Because if you wanted normally how you would find this Wait, story uh, in a search engine. Spotify. Yes. He wanted his program taken off Spotify. Oh, OK. Now, not Rogan. Yes. Rogan. Joe Rogan. Right. If you R- wanted Rogan wants his story off of Spotify, he wanted a show off of Spotify before he ever got the deal. Yes. Oh, OK. I, I was just confused because. I know that that at some point when Spotify employees get their SJW way and start censoring him, he's going to want off of Spotify. But right now, yes. I think he's pretty happy with their money. Yeah, he is. But there was one point long before okay. he got his deal where he went Sorry. to war with them and asked that the Joe Rogan experience be pulled from Spotify. Now, how do you find the article about that? You would normally go to Google <laughs> and type in Joe, Joe Rogan Spotify, right? 
You don't know. <laughs> and now you can't find that because every story is about his deal with Spotify. And it's interesting because I tried even like trying to put dates in and stuff. It just did not work to be able to find that information. So it's like we know it's out there. But for these systems to be able to find exactly what you're looking for is a much harder thing than you would expect. And the fact that they're hiring people to rate news sites, it doesn't come as any surprise that the people are going. We know everybody's going to be biased. The question is just how are they going to be biased? And you're absolutely right. Where they're getting them from is a big part of this, because this is why all the polls when it comes to the presidential polls are crap. If you see a poll that's like, well, we, uh, you know, we polled 40 percent independent voters. It's like, well, are they independent voters in San Francisco, California, or are they independent voters in you know Wyoming? Because they're going <laughs> to there's a different type of independent in either of these places. We, <laughs> we, we polled 40 Google employees who happen to claim to be in, independent. Yes, that's usually the way it goes. So in this case, unless the only way Google could try to have a fair system would be when you're going to hire people to rate these news sites is you find out beforehand what these people's political affiliations are and you try to hire equal amounts of conservatives and liberals with some independence thrown in and that and, way you can you know try what, you know what to make me feel better about that is if that information was disclosed yeah that would be well that's it because when you see any of these polls they normally don't even tell you how many republicans that they what percentage they had in the poll as opposed to how many democrats and you can usually find this information if you go look, but it's almost always quite a bit higher of a percentage of Democrats being polled, which is how we had what happened with Hillary, which all the polls up to Election Day. Hey, Hillary's going to win, man. No problem. And then she didn't. And you go, how were the polls so wrong? Because they don't know what they're doing. Who you ask is going to really change the world. But I get why they're hiring people to do this stuff. Because I was just reading an article last night on ai and the ai being problematic when you're dealing with things and they were talking about the photo type thing where twitter uh, takes and crops things because twitter for whatever reason you know they want to crop your photo before it shows up in the timeline and twitter is actually looking for faces so that if there's faces in the photo you know it's going to do its best to try not to crop anybody out and then you realize that the mathematics of it, for whatever reason, makes it harder for Twitter to recognize dark faces than light. So, of course, this becomes problematic because now the technology, of course, is racist. And they were talking well, about th this was the reason we, we talked about a few shows ago why uh, Portland has banned facial recognition technology, yes. not because it's an invasion of privacy but because it impacts the blacks more yes. than the whites. And they were talking about, you know, the mistakes that the AI would make and how problematic again, you can use that in air quotes. It was when the AI would make a mistake because they're like, well, you know, if the AI sees, you know, Ryan Bemrose and it thinks you're, you know, a 747, that's just funny. But it's a mask, the right, the mask. And when the AI sees a picture of a black guy and shows an orangutan, then that's uh, problematic. And this is what couldn't happened. They, couldn't they solve the problem by analyzing the, the negative, the photo in negative, where all the dark spaces show up light and vice versa? 
you know, you would think, I don't know how this whole mathematics works, but the end result was they were just pulling stuff rather than adding. And this was causing a whole nother issue for whatever reason, you know, these problematic things like, well, this was coming up as a, you know, a gorilla. Well, then we, we can't, we can never have that show up again because that will be problematic. So it was actually limiting then what the AI can do, which then I understand why it's harder to um, use this facial recognition technology if you have darker skin, because the system's going, oh, no, I you, you darker skin. I, I, I don't want to be racist. I, I, I'm not even going to guess. And can I uh, say something about the, the, the way they train those AIs? I, it, 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 it just makes me drop my jaw it is uh, when when an AI goes and, and by the way, uh, Fletcher, yeah, the negative doesn't help really because the negative also reverses the shadows, which is the problem is that if if your skin is darker. Um, then it has more difficulty telling where the skin ends and the shadow begins, uh, which is one of the main re- ways that you find, you know, determine relief, translate the 2D picture into a 3D picture to develop points from, et cetera. Um, but when the AI screws up and identifies this as, uh, oh, you know, that that's a, a chimpanzee or something like that, and somebody who has been over socialized very politically correct goes oh no 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 we can't possibly have our ai identify this thing as something that it looks like even if the person was making a face that happens to look just like we cannot do that that's politically incorrect so they create a hard rule in the ai that says no matter what your machine learning comes up with you can't do this and then you do that over and over again until what you've ultimately done with a series of hard rules that the AI cannot work itself around through machine learning iteration is you have programmed your bias into the AI. And that's how you get an AI that sees the world the same way you do. Ironic, huh? Could they not solve the problem too, by just having more pictures of African-Americans in there? Is it a problem of it just doesn't have enough reference points that perhaps there are more pictures of, of monkeys than than African Americans in their system. <laughs> you need more I, pictures. So we need more data. A, yeah, and I'm not well, saying they, that to be facetious or, or anything. It's just it seems I, to me I am that they just sure don't that, have enough I references. Mean, the the vast majority of pictures are not, you know, super well front lit uh you know uh, yearbook quality photos. Yeah they are too. they are uh photo taken in from mixed angles in in mixed lighting and I think that the real problem is that the, you know, the data you have to work with is light and dark pixels on a flat surface. Right. And, and then when, they're trying to make a mathematical uh, equation out of it. Yeah. And, and they're, I mean, they're, they're basically running statistical analysis being like, okay, I am pretty sure this dark patch is, is the dude's ear. And this dark patch is the shadow next to it, where if the dude's ear is really light, there's a big mathematical difference between those two. But if the dude's ear is really dark, then you know the the difference in number is in intensity is is lower which i think just means that there's a higher statistical error yeah and it's bizarre i mean when you and realize really, i've never written any of these algorithms i'm just taking wild guesses here but that's what we do in grumpy old bends well and the the average person when you think uh facial recognition you're don't i mean if you don't really look into how this works you have no idea and rightfully so but this isn't you know, taking a photograph of somebody 
and then trying to match that actual photograph like you would think uh, as the human eye would look at it. It's like it's taking that face and it's making an algorithm. You know, it's using an algorithm to make a, you know, a hash out of it. Like, oh, this is Bemrose's face. Here's here's the hash. And now we're looking if any other face that we recognize you know is close to this then you'll okay maybe here's an uh here's a possible match but it's all just converted to mathematics which is way beyond my uh, pay grade but it's amazing what they can do i mean your privacy is where what's hit statistical mathematics is basically throwing darts you 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 take a bunch of numbers you crunch them you go okay eh, that's close enough for our Canadian listeners, he's not talking about throwing cigarettes, but pointy, <laughs> tiny little you, handheld arrows. Canadians you, you don't know, know what, what darts if, are. You, you play darts your way. <laughs> Canadians, they call uh, cigarettes darts. You got to go get a pack of darts. And the British Faggot. people call them fags. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, the, the Canadians, they, they call cigarettes them, too. But I guess they call <laughs> the, the British people call Canadian fags. That's right. a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> only on grumpy old Ben's will you hear this kind of hot take but uh what did you guys see this new amazon flying camera <laughs> the little yes. drone i, oh I actually have that in my notes file oh my uh, the God. only note that i have on it is oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> i oh yeah i don't even know where to start with that thing i really don't it seems like don't, the worst idea don't ever start. Uh, it seems to me that Elon Musk needs to invent a lightning gun instead of a flamethrower <laughs> now. So you can just shock the fuck, shock it out of the sky. You know, actually, the thing's pretty small. Um, I'm yes. thinking a rubber band gun would do uh, be a really good for like honing your skills. Yeah, it's like the size of a hockey puck. It's, and it's like meant indoor to fly skeet. indoors. Oh, OK. So you need to shoot a uh, electrically charged net at it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd do. It's in your I mean, I'm just, Yeah, sure. You can. Tr- take it down with a normal net but you want to disable it like like with so many of of the technological advancements the idea behind it and the technology behind it is incredibly cool and there's no fucking way that i trust amazon to be the ones the only ones who have any control over this if i get the source code for it and i can hack it and i can modify the code myself then yeah this thing is amazing this is really cool you could like fly around and scare the crap out of the cats right but is it a amazon like their product you know it says like amazon home or whatever their brand was is the uh, the brand is ring yeah the ring they just announced this with a bunch of other things including a sensor to put in your mailbox so you know when you have mail because people still get mail I I, uh, i have i have a sensor that i use called i look out the window and when i see the mail carrier go by i've got a pretty good idea see yeah Maybe just check it every day. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah how, how have people even survived without these technologies? Well, I, like the reason did, I asked about the uh, the brand of that of that little drone was because I saw a story of uh, Amazon, like their their brand products, mainly phone chargers and stuff like that, catching fire. Oh, and so I was just thinking, well, if it's an Amazon brand, then yeah, sure, the thing might fly around. It might be really cool till you decide to charge it. And then the charger will burn your house down. Ooh. <laughs> also, I, you you mean literally catching fire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thought, oh, no. Was there like, was, it was a whole big deal. I thought deal. you were saying like sales were taking off. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. These these phone chargers, I saw one where it caught fire in the dude's lap. He had his <laughs> phone plugged into the charger. It was sitting on his lap. He was in his chair at his computer. 
felt something hot, put his phone down, uh, goes to get something else, comes back, and that chair's on fire. It burns down most of his house. Nice. See, now if he had this camera, he could have gotten pictures of that. Yeah, (laughs) it probably is. Yeah, Yeah. insurance scam brought to you in part by Amazon. If he had, if if he had this camera, then he could have posted that video on YouTube for a crap ton of likes. (laughs) Yeah, people would have been like, "Watch this guy's house burn down from the minute." You know, but this is the Overton window again because this camera, this whole concept, this little drone. It only flies for like five minutes at a time because it's a super small drone and it's got a camera in it because that's what it's doing. And it's sending the images over the Internet so you can monitor them, which is, again, we've talked about any of these cameras you have. If it goes over the Internet to a mothership, you're screwed. But once you allow this in, these things are just going to get more and more. The capabilities are going to keep getting better so they can fly longer. And as somebody who's already gone pretty much blind in one eye, I'm just curious what the legality is for a company to sell a product that flies around on its own that could hit somebody in the eye. It seems like it would be a dangerous concept. Well, I I would like to think in a sane world that people don't do that uh, and like aren't dumb enough to walk into this thing. Well, it's flying around. So, I mean, it could fly right into you. It doesn't fly fast. It's not zooping around like a bird or something. How do you know? Because I've never seen the thing fly fast. Duh. Yeah, Amazon is not liable. That's right, Progo. That's the beauty of anything they sell. I, I will say, uh, you know, the article I read was from The Verge. And one of the things which I, I thought was a little curious in an article that was pretty much universally saying this thing was awesome. One of the only concessions to the possibility that there was a possible private privacy concern with this device. Was when the Verge said uh, they they had to point out that when the drone was on the charging dock, that the camera, which is below the drone, was hidden by the dock so it wouldn't be taking video of you while it was charging. That was the only concession to privacy in an otherwise tech horny article. I just thought it felt out of place. Well, and it doesn't do audio. So right there. Boom. No, but you've got your, your Alexa for that. Right. <laughs> I set up two Alexas to have that sweet stereo pickup. Yeah, well, they have the night. I mean, they have ones with multiple speakers now. They have ones that are made by Bose, although Bose stuff usually sounds like crap. You know, there's 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 some good. I mean, for streaming music, they're interesting devices. They're one con, one concession, which maybe isn't really a concession because it's a feature that's always been there on the devices that I've seen. But the ability to push a button and turn the microphone off. They're pushing that a lot now. So that to me is also weird because you're like, yeah. hey, you're buying the convenience. You could talk to this thing anytime. But, you know, then hit the thing so we can't listen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have another option that I don't even need a button for. It's called unplug a USB cord to turn the microphone off. What if it has Wi-Fi? A hammer. <laughs> <laughs> when Lisa comes home and her Alexa device is sitting in pieces on the floor, then what? Oh, oh total side note. Have have you seen this Alexa skill that somebody wrote that trolls the uh, Google home? No, they like talk to the. It, it makes Alexa say shit like, okay, Google do it. I, I, I don't, I don't remember what it was. I just saw it on there. I'm like, that's clever. And also who the hell has both devices, but I do. I'm sure people do. Yeah. I, I have two sitting next to each other in one room. Good. You can get this skill and they can start trolling each other. 
Google fighting Amazon. I don't know which one that you can uh, trust more. Neither. But you'd have to record it. If you do it, you have to record it. Yeah. Video yeah. video or it didn't happen. Well, but, you know, this is Darren. So his microphone is always live. Yeah. We're always going, man. Well, that's not true. I, I do unplug this thing, you know, when I'm not uh, not using it. Although, when is that? So yeah. <laughs> it can't always be on because I haven't heard any toilet flushes. Right. See, we, we can we can mute it at the proper time. I mean, I do have wireless microphones, so I could technically podcast and walk around the house <laughs> at the same time, which would be kind of cool. Come on, guys. I'm cooking breakfast. Come listen to me. Uh-huh. Aaron O'Neill as I fry my eggs. Oh, I do, man. I had some fried eggs today. No, actually, I made an omelet today. That was a, uh, a cheddar cheese omelet with some bacon. Boom. Bacon in the air fryer. Boom. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely the way to go. I, I, I've ended up with fried eggs when I set out to make an omelet before. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I mean, mistakes can be made when you're when you're yeah, dealing with The good with this thing about eggs is you can always recover. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's really hard to screw those up unless you just flat out burn them. Yeah, you can well, with, with, with eggs. It's just eggs. a matter of yeah. With Cajun. eggs, it's just a matter of changing the recipe on the fly. Be like, actually, I'm making this. Yeah. Now, when it came to you know, they talked about it on no agenda. I've seen stories in a few other places about, and everybody seems to be like, oh, so what? Amazon adding podcast to the Amazon Music app. And on, on one side, I agree that's a so what. But my question immediately went to, is this going to be the only way? that their devices will play the podcast now if they're listed in their app, which also then just leads right down the path of censorship. And, oh, Amazon Amazon decided that Grumpy Old Ben's was not for people who own their devices. And now you won't be able to listen to it on their device if it's not in their app. And I don't know if that's where it's going to go, but that's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, and this is why Adam Curry and his partners are doing the podcast index.org. I'm I'm not going to jump to to call out Amazon for censorship before they've done their censorship. I can wait until they actually start censoring people before calling them evil for censorship. There's so many other things I can call them evil for. So as a podcaster, it is getting tiring that you have to submit your podcast to so many different places if you want it to be listed everywhere i mean it's mm-hmm. you know this is you know it's a real problem i know ryan doesn't do any of the back end stuff so he doesn't get it he doesn't do the work but you do it well, for your why, show why would i i'm not even getting credit on the website right well let me, i'll add your name to the website if a comic strip blogger sends us 33 bitcoin right now <laughs> not point zero zero three three thirty three bitcoin that's our exit strategy oh yeah sure but it used to just be, okay, submit it with iTunes and submit it with Google, and you're pretty much listed everywhere. Now, oh, there's Stitcher and there's Spotify, and now we have the podcast index, which is a good thing. But there's a whole list, you know, Luminary. There's all these different services now that you just have to worry as a podcaster that if somebody gets into podcasting, Let's just say they're a Joe Rogan fan now. And so or somebody says to them, they've never listened to a podcast before. And somebody's talking about the Joe Rogan show and they go, oh, hey, well, how do I listen to that? Well, now they're going to go, well, yeah, download Spotify. And they're going to think Spotify has access to everything. And I understand you can't be the person that informs everybody of everything. But that is a concern as a podcaster is that there are so many people ignorant of how the system works. That they're if they are just introduced to this by Joe Rogan's a fan saying, 
you know, download Spotify. Well, they'll be like, oh, well, somebody else was talking about grumpy old Ben's, but I searched on you know Spotify and that doesn't exist. So I'll just go listen to something else. They, that must not be a, the right name. And well, it, it'll completely normalize, normalize the, the ad placement. Right. Oh, Getting yeah. Used to, to hearing the commercials break in, uh, even if it's not on the actual podcast you're listening to. That's a that's a really annoying thing. I mean, for me. You, you don't think you don't think 60 years of of network TV has normalized ad placements already? Well, no, that's true. But that's the whole format of that that show. That's how that's why it's free for you. But th- what I mean is the the TV shows yet they're they're made with the commercial breaks in mind. So you all when it comes back from a commercial break, they always reiterate the point that they made before the break because <laughs> your brain was full of all the bullshit you just saw from Clorox or wherever, <laughs> but on a podcast that doesn't happen. So it comes back from an ad for, you know, whatever sodfa mat- mattresses. And then it comes back to the show. You're like, wait, what the fuck are these guys talking about? I forget. Well, you're, so you know, Twitch artist, is already doing that. The, the creator, the content creator isn't aware of where they're putting the ads or anything. If they'd come out and say, Hey, we're going to put ads in your podcast. Then I would say, well, let me I'll read it for you. I'll put it in the fucking show as as long as the creator is getting the necessary kickback for that. Right. But I don't think they're doing that on Spotify. They're not going, hey, well, we put two ads in your show. So here's a check for however much because you got this many plays. And my, my understanding of Spotify is that they're still only doing pre-roll ads, though, like before the show. So it's not interrupting content. Am I wrong there? Oh, that may be true. It, I might be confusing it with another podcast service then that does it well, that I, way. Well, Twitch was going to start that doing th- that. We recently covered Twitch, which is now starting to put uh, in-stream ads, and they do provide tools so that the so the streamers can like push a button, be like, "I'm getting up to go get a beer." Right. Go play an ad now. But if the streamer doesn't push that button within a certain time period, then then Twitch will actually cut away. And play an ad instead of the stream for a minute or two, which is fine as long as you know it's happening. It's interesting to me watching old television. I don't think it's fine that well. I mean, if that's part of you're it's using the their agreement. service, you're right. You know, that's you know. Otherwise, set up your own damn streaming. Which service. is altering the agreement. Pray they do not alter it further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But watching old television shows, I had totally forgotten. Like I've been watching episodes of Hunter and TJ Hooker now. I mean, old cop shows are pretty good, but one, the intro to the show, you know, with the music and all the credits, like 90 seconds. It's like, wow, now they're doing it in like five. You know, it's like, do, do, do. Okay. Now, you know, because there's at the time well, that, that, that depends on the show. Well, true. I made the mistake of watching Star Trek Picard earlier this year. <laughs> oh, they left the, uh, the long intro in. Well, they, they had their intro was, uh, uh, two minutes and 16 seconds or something like that Damn. and included. Oh, I, I, I mentioned this before the intro to Picard, the intro opening sequence, which was over two minutes long. Um, it had six actors, one director, like one casting director, um, and 22 producers. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to give everybody credit. Yeah, well, that's that's why the opening credits were so damn long, is that everybody who gave money to this thing had in their contract, well, you have to put me in the opening credits. Not good enough to put it in the end credits. Nobody watches those. And it wasn't on real TV, so they didn't have to worry about time, which is exactly why. And they know that everybody's got the skip forward button. 
Right. Now, when you go back to the 80s for television, these intros were so long because at the end of the show, well, they just, had to have the full song. Well, they had to have well the full song. Sure. But they did that, I think, because there was no DVR, which meant. So if you watched your show between you know seven and eight, well, when that show started at eight, at the end of that show at seven, you were going to the bathroom, you're going to the kitchen, you were getting something to drink and they didn't want you to miss the beginning of the show. So they had to have a long enough like, OK, well, the show is going to be starting. Uh, that is show- a pretty good point. And it's like the like the bell that rings before the final class bell for each period at school. Right. Where they're like, OK, warning, you know, the intro music is starting. You've got 90 seconds right. before you have to watch. Right. Get your ass in gear. Go grab a no beer. Pausing it. You know, the other thing they have, which I, I just skipped through now because it doesn't make any sense. They had like 30 or 60 seconds of clips from the show you were about to watch, kind of letting you know what was going to happen. It's like, why? Why was this a thing in the 80s? We call uh, because them spoilers. The shows only aired once a week. Like, yeah. But yeah. why would they let you know what was coming up that it was like before the show began? You're seeing like clips from the show you were about to watch. Not like this is coming up next week. This because was everything back then was about preventing you from flipping channels, I guess. Like by, yeah. by the 80s, we knew that we had entire generations of people who were going to sit in front of the TV. They were never concerned with shutting off the TV. Their competition was people on other channels with the same time slot. And I tell you, I love Cody on my Raspberry Pi 4. It is awesome. It's all you need Coding? for television. Cody, K-O-D-I. It's a uh, oh, Cody. Yeah. Software coding. Yeah. Not coding. That's different that you can take codeine while watching Cody, but it's probably not highly recommended. It might, might make the experience better. It might, it might, but there was a, uh, there's a whole operating system that is d- d- devoted to strictly being a, making your raspberry Pi a Cody box. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's basically like, if you've ever set up a raspberry Pi, this just sets it up ready to go. And once you install the operating system, you just plug it into your television and you can you can be on your way to watching anything on your network. The only downfall still is that they don't have an easy built in way to watch any of the other streaming services. So if you want to also watch Netflix or Hulu or even yeah, uh, even YouTube, which I I would think this should be an easy thing to build in. But for some reason, it's not because you have to go. Every individual has to go get a Google uh, YouTube API. Oh, my God. Uh huh. In order to be able to watch the YouTube on the through the Cody box. But they're they're It's not a horrible solution, but their solution is to get a uh, what's it? A play on app. Um, there's one of these paid apps. So Plex, you know, go get Plex and then you can watch whatever you want. But for just streaming stuff over your network, it's fantastic because it will look at what you have movies and television. And it does a full you know, like Netflix or Hulu type experience, meaning if I put the whole series of Hunter in when I go and I'm going through all the different series I have, all the different folders, when it gets to Hunter, you see the promo art from Hunter and you go in and it, when you go over each individual episode, you actually get the little blurb on what the episode's about. And oh, this is just pulling all of this from the IMDB or wherever. And it just plain works. So it's kind of cool. It is like having your own Hulu or your own Netflix. And the beauty was the other morning I got up and the internet was down and it's like, well, don't need that to watch this. You know, you're not reliant on the internet to have your 
entertainment come to you. Have your own entertainment. Have your own music. That I really do. I see when I was looking for something the other day too. I saw a lot of people complaining that like a track was pulled from um, whichever of the streaming services it was. I mean, it may have been Spotify. And it's like, oh, you know, I used to listen to this track every night and I go to Spotify today and it's gone. And that's why it's like, get your own damn music. Don't streaming services are bad. I say as we stream the irony. Yeah, well, I mean, but some of the artists, they don't they don't put out a physical media or anything. I mean, you, you still have to download a copy, but I guess you could download your own copy and just have it on a hard drive. Yes, that's what I like. Lots of hard drives. Lots of music, lots of television. And it's amazing what's out there. It really is amazing what you can find. I'm not saying piracy is a good thing, but when you long run out of shows you want to watch on Netflix or Hulu, there's a lot of good stuff out there that for whatever reason, and I think this is, you know, one of the things we talked about when we dealt with this on Grumpy Old Ben's a whole lot of episodes ago was I don't think anybody ever really you know, thought that somebody would want to be streaming uh, some random show from the 70s or 80s now. And there's so much money that you need to pay to, you know, to have these shows on your streaming services that it all comes down to the same thing. I mean, it's hilarious that, you know, even if you wanted to buy the DVDs, I was looking at the Equalizer, which was a pretty good show back in the 80s as well. Most of these series, even though if they were on like five, six, seven seasons, you could go buy all of the DVDs for like 30, 40, 50 bucks. And, you know, they're out there if you want to download as well. But it's like it, it, um, the streaming you service know, this wouldn't be an issue if if copyrights, copyrights expired yeah, five after years. five years. Yeah, I've heard that. Where I heard that somewhere before. What what is the the expiration date on a copyright? Is it 75 years, something like that? Um, Plus the death of the it's like yeah. something after the it's death more like of 120. The, yeah. Oh, uh, like for for corporations, I actually think it's uh, 110. Um, oh, well, I'm sure it's by the, like author by the time, plus 75. I'm sure by the time Mickey Mouse comes out to be put in the public domain, they'll have some laws changed in their favor. Well, yeah, there are some Mickey again. Mouse the features that have gone into public domain. There's like the Steamboat Mickey, the first early Mickey Mouse stuff is in the public domain now. So if you wanted to go and release that, you can do that. But that doesn't give you the rights to Mickey Mouse. So you can't make merchandise off that image or anything like that now the trademark and copyright two totally different things but yeah the one thing i know about mm -hmm. copyright is is in in my field software um there has never been a piece of software in the history of humanity that has gone out of copyright and uh when when that does it's going to be interesting because uh you know suddenly people will have the legal right well there have been some that have been released out of copyright correct uh well some of it has been released to the public domain in which is relieving so of its copyright possible. but yes it, nobody it's never been done i guess what you're saying by the by the threat of a gun right that's the well no it's it's never been done by uh you know the the government monopoly caveats being dropped there's never been a point where somebody who didn't choose to make their stuff available uh, was you know had to because they were no longer covered by copyright and um you know the practical things about software is you, it's even if it drops into the public domain a lot of it people won't be able to run because the systems don't exist right. the source code was never released that's why you need emulators. it's gonna be a mess 
But this is this is what happens like with a lot of these software companies that end up going out of business and there's no individual that owns the copyright that gets murky as well, because everybody knows you can release it and who's going to come after you because nobody can make money at it anymore. Yeah. Or orphaned works, I think, is what that's called, isn't it? It may be. I mean, I have a copy of a Ted Nugent hunting game that I used to play on like Windows 95 and it just don't work anymore because, you know, the systems have moved on. I'm sure I could probably figure out a way to emulate it and all that. But that's where I pulled a bunch of the uh, little ISOs of Ted saying stuff was from uh, was from that game. They were just on the CD in a wave. Oh, that's where they came from. Yes. Like, like Ted out of ammo. That one. <laughs> yes. Yes. This <laughs> is all from San Francisco. Uh, yeah. That's from Ted Nugent's like wild hunting adventure or something like that. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, wow. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah, probably told me, but I still have no idea. The old playstation the original playstation games where you could put it in a cd player and it would read the the soundtrack the music soundtrack as audio files long before they were trying to drm everything because that was going to make the universe better yeah nowadays everything is encrypted on there not grumpy old ben's oh we're pretty we're pretty cryptic well we are cryptic yeah that's do you ever think about releasing your show in uh obsolete technology or not obsolete really but like a floppy disk or something yeah i mean i don't know if there would be any interest in it but i mean i I still use a desktop computer that's obsolete (laughs) enough i do too (laughs) i've got a desktop computer with three monitors and i would like more but i don't have enough room to keep building with the with the monitors but I mean, we've talked about that i think when we're when i was sounds like a carpentry issue and not a computing issue that that probably is but, you know, something like No Agenda, I think they could raise some money, except they never want to do any content that isn't released. And I respect that and I understand that. But I think if John and Adam would do 40 minutes that was recorded and not released and then put it on vinyl, they'd probably sell like a thousand plus copies of the vinyl yeah, to you. Probably. Yeah, I'd be like, I want that, man. As long as At I could do the art. to me. <laughs> well, we'd have to do an art competition. That's, and, yeah, and it would be a, a big rectangular piece of art, you know, doing the doing the cover design for a vinyl record. That would be really neat, actually. Yeah, because it's you have a front and back. I mean, hey, if it's a gatefold, woo, you got yeah, it. exactly. But uh, the outer gatefold, you know, you have to do the back on the left, right, and then the front on the right it, with the spine. Oh, you got to have spines, shit. You got to have the inside the gatefold. You got to have the sleeves. Net Ned wants grumpy old beds on eight track i mean we could do that i used to have an eight track recorder somewhere uh i mean i have a reel to reel recorder i mean cassette would be easy enough and yeah. in in a small enough run it would be easy enough to make the cassettes but yeah it's been is, it's thought it's a it's a an interesting is, concept is midi still a thing of course oh yeah, yeah we could that's we could do can we do like translated grumpy old bends into midi I don't know if people would understand what you were saying, but uh, the so, music could be. So, yes. So, you should right. It would be just like a normal grumpy old Ben's. I could just leave my voice and then yours would come in and be like. Well, there's guys that use like modular analog synthesizers and uh, there's control voltage input. You just convert the audio file to a control voltage signal. And then an episode of grumpy old Ben's could be triggering somebody's synthesizer. Ooh, that would be cool. Well, we are, and we are very triggering. It. Yeah, we are triggering. You, exactly. You'd have a whole Bimrose rant and the thing starts smoking. Net, but Ned. you could put all that information onto a floppy disk. 
Yeah, Ned, Ned and Carolyn Blaney talking about Sony mini discs. My buddy used to have a mini disc. Recorded a bunch of uh, just playing guitar and, and noodling around on mini disc players. Those things were cool. I don't know what would be the preferred method of releasing a special grumpy old Benz. I think you would have to go vinyl. I mean, I think that is laser disc. Laser disc. Go for. Are you doing video now? I, why not? We can put all the grumpy old Ben's video on one disc. <laughs> hey, technically, technically, those laser discs were on vinyl. That was metallicized vinyl that they had that information on. And the was video like this, was analog spray they had on it. Yeah. So still releasing it on vinyl and just a big it plastic was, cartridge. It was like this, this metalish disc that was like a foot in diameter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The size of an album. Yeah, it, exactly. That's, that's why they did it that way is because they didn't want to. I think it was RCA that started doing that stuff and they didn't want to buy new machinery. They were like, we oh, have all these vinyl man. presses. So let's just use the vinyl, find a way to make it take this information that we want it to take, which they came up with that coating. And then that that's all just to save them money and not buy new machines. That's why they're a foot wide. Yeah. Out in the basement somewhere. I still have the original star Wars trilogy, a few other things on laser disc. I'm uh, sure they're collectible in some way, shape, or in Oh, speaking form. of you were speaking such of Star a, Wars, yeah, uh, and Sony's proprietary encryption, whatever it is, where they put out CDs that you couldn't rip to your computer. Right? Yeah, there were a few of those. I have one of those. It's yeah, a no- Star Wars. Uh, John Williams conducts John Williams. Like, however, the <laughs> fuck that works. I guess they cloned him. <laughs> the, the The only reason they made it so you couldn't rip is they put a rootkit on there that ran by auto exec. If right. you don't run the auto exec, it doesn't install the rootkit, and then you can pull it fine. Would you like us oh, to add the software? Because CD audio is an unencrypted, uncompressed format. It's just, I mean, it's effectively the bits on there are laid out like a wave file. So you skip the first track, which is all data, and take all the rest of it, which are the audio tracks, and you can rip that CD. Oh, yeah, thanks. I learned something today on Grumpy Old Benz. Hey, well, say that again so we can use it as an ISO. I learned something today on Grumpy Old Benz. See, that's a rarity, too, that somebody actually learns something, but uh, we appreciate that. But you're right, because it had to run. Darren, you learn stuff all the time. But not from you. The (laughs) CD players that, you know, the normal CD players in your car and your, you know, whatever you're in your stereo had to still play those. So, yeah, that uh, and that was always the, the end run, which is like, well, you can't copy it digitally. But you can still make a nearly perfect copy, even if you had to go from the RCA outs into another recorder. Uh, you know, it wasn't it really didn't do the job of keeping things from being replicated and posted online. Oh, yeah. No, no. And I, I even thought about doing that was just recording it the way I, I record clips and stuff like that. It would still be lossless. Yeah, it's got to be lossless, which, of course, is why I keep running out of hard drives. But yeah, uh, I've got to buy a couple more hard drives myself. You have to keep the archive. Yeah. Or or you could always recording everything. And there's a whole shit ton of just unedited files sitting around. Have you ever considered (laughs) deleting something? No. Like ever? No. Why? Yeah. (laughs) Why would you? Just asking. Why would you do that? Uh, Although the, the no agenda promo that I have on my machine for some reason disappeared when I loaded up mix today. It was like. Uh, cannot find this it's like i don't know what the hell happened to it but you know windows windows 10 i guess that's probably what happened to it but i do go through because i record most of this stuff in wave files for all the podcasts every now and then i go through and i convert those wave files to flack and that saves like 60 percent of the hard drive space 
and you still have a full lossless copy, it works. Audio archiving is, it's not for the meek. There's no question about it. And I, I can only feel bad for people that spend, you know, hours digitizing their whole collection and then they're ripping them to MP3. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You're wasting your time. Um, I, I still have a ton of 128 kilobit MP3s because that's what sounded good back when I, it, it took longer to rip than it did to play the album. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I remember the good old days when it was like one song took a half hour to transfer over. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I meant is it, it would take 45 minutes to rip per track. So one one track would be the whole album playtime. You know, that was that, that was the days school. of Napster, which which yes, I was on yeah. briefly. I was too at school. I had this this blow off class. It was, um, I think it was Woodshop Two or something. <laughs> two <laughs> electric and, boogaloo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so half of the class was spent in this like lab room with with big long tables for drafting and whatever. Uh, but there were computers all against the walls, and so we we do one bullshit lesson a day on the computer, and then the rest of the day you're just sitting there and you can do whatever, go online and play games or watched videos this was this is 2000 i think or 2001 and uh so i would use the computer's internet connection to just download music and we were the uh, only class that used that room so i would just turn leave the computer on turn off the monitor <laughs> leave the computer on and come back and i would have all this shit that downloaded overnight and just bring a cd or a, a small flash drive or something and were there flash drives then? I home. guess there were then. I mean, I'm going going. It back. was like big. Uh, no, maybe there weren't. Yeah. Uh, but there were CDs that I was uh, bringing in, like CDRs, Ooh. bringing it onto there. Yes, I, I vaguely remember. I, I vaguely remember being like this was maybe my sophomore year in college when Napster became really big, and I remember like having you no. Know, there were USB keys because I'd take them to to cs classes they had like a four megabyte capacity oh yeah, big four whole megabytes yeah something like that i stored my source code on it because you know we'd carry around floppy disks on everybody had floppy disks i'm like no it was this brand new technology it's awesome and then and then you get into the lab and there's that one computer that doesn't have a fucking usb drive i thought it's you were going to go off on a rant on how kids today will never understand getting to the fifth floppy to have that one be bad when you're installing something <laughs> yeah that was a thing my, my my first my first ever version of windows was windows 3.0 which came on 22 floppy disks damn were they those are uh, were they three and a half or were they five and yeah, a quarter yeah they were the three and a half okay so it was slightly newer also it was pirated no you you pirated stuff and then they hired you I, with that company well i that's probably why <laughs> they wanted to get you as an official real customer. You have uh, Progo was asking windows 3.0 was 20 floppies. I thought doesn't Progo old enough to remember this stuff. Oh, Probo Progo's a millennial. He's a little kid. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I thought he was older. I, I might be, I, I might be spreading vicious rumors. I don't know. That wouldn't be the first time. Vicious. I mean, if you want to spread vicious rumors, just call up the hog story voicemail line and leave them there. You know, what's sad is that uh, a lot of people these days don't have any idea what that little icon is on the save button. They just look at it and be like, oh, that means save. Right, right. It's like they don't even realize that it's like they don't realize that was a thing once. 
Well, that uh, is like I the, saw a thing on that where where they were asking uh, kids what they thought it was, and a lot of them just thought it was like a like a microchip symbol or something. Ooh, interesting. It's interesting because the little logos, uh, the little icons in Mix, M I X X X Triple X for better, better, better sound, which is what we use for doing the any show we're playing music. It's what we use to get onto the No Agenda stream. No matter what we're doing, there is a little button to record what you're doing, and that is a cassette tape. When you're you're right, I can only imagine there's a lot of kids that would be using this program who would have no idea what that is. Now the little icon to go out to the stream is like an old fashioned big satellite dish too so i'm wondering if they even know what that (laughs) is either now that you mentioned that they're like what are these weird things showing up in this program remember those old satellite dishes that were like 20 feet in diameter you know those kind of things oh yeah oh yeah the kind that you had take care it was an engineering project to mount it up there because if if you got a bolt wrong then uh it was going to kill somebody when it fell off the roof. Right. Well, that's why when these like the direct TV dishes came out, it was like, how do these things work? They're only like, what, 20, 24 inches or something like that. And, you know, relatively well, lightweight. They don't have to collect as much because the signal is so much stronger. We're being irradiated far more now. Oh, well, that's my, good. My grandmother had one of those uh, giant satellite dishes. It, you ha- it was a hand crank to turn and aim the thing on the side. There was no. No fancy motor or anything. Damn. So you just had to like, crank it until the satellite you wanted was in range? Yeah. No, the technician had to come out and aim it. <laughs> nice. See, <laughs> See now that's never, old school. We never had oh, the uh, we never had the satellite on our house, but we did have um we were uh, technically where I grew up was was technically rural, but we were close enough to Portland that we we could and we were up on a hill. We kinda had line of sight, but it was about thirty five miles. So we had one of those big ass directional antennas, like 14 foot boom arm on that, that we had to tune and turn it. So it was pointed toward Portland. And that was how we got all of our stations. <laughs> nice. Well, let me guess. You built a, uh, the, what do they call them? The Yagi antennas out of a Pringles uh, can, didn't you? Um, not, I didn't point it at Portland. No, but you, you, at some point you built a also, Wi-Fi. No, little, Pringles uh, are fucking nasty. So you've never even never even wanted to touch the can to make a little directional antenna is what you're saying. I I could make directional antennas out of a coffee can or something that worked too. True. Yeah, the coffee cans worked. I remember making those when that was like before also, you could, before you could buy them relatively cheaply. Also old enough to remember when when ground coffee came in a giant steel can that was going to last until the next apocalypse. Oh, it doesn't still come that way. No, it's all plastic. Now. Yeah, they're all plastic. Did you see freaking Legos are out and they're not going to have come in plastic bags anymore. They're changing to paper to be more earth friendly. Are they going to make the Legos out of paper? <laughs> no, <laughs> there's still plastic involved in there. Yes. And I mean, I one of the things I, I picked up for the wife because, you know, it was her birthday and she had no ideas and she likes to do some of these puzzle type things. The and this is a company named Foco makes it so it's blocks like legos except they're like one tenth of the size they're like painfully small blocks and it it's to build fenway park and the the thing when it's done i think it's about you know like a foot by a foot so it's gonna take a while to put this thing together but it's like you know you do realize you have to have tweezers to handle them sometimes yeah ask if you bought her a set of tweezers 
No, I should have. That would have been nice to, to well, help out. Different so, like, angles so you could place it just right. Yeah. And you, one, of those, one of those lamps with the big ass half foot diameter magnifying glass. That would it. probably be helpful. We may have one of those. We bought one of those for my mom's uh, cousin before she passed away because she had major eye problems and had one of those magnifying glass with a little halo light around it. That might not be a bad idea for uh, for building this. It's like, you know, if you're like one block off when you get later in the thing you could just be screwed so she says it's a very zen like i don't know if, i don't think it would be for me i think i would just get uh uh aggravated too quickly which is why i stopped building computers myself i mean it was easy right back in the day even though i have big crappy hands and never had good eyes the cases were always big enough to at least i could fit my fingers in to move stuff around you know these new motherboards oh, yeah. and these new the cases full tower or nothing yeah and, but even with those, make? the motherboards are sometimes even the ones that go in the full tower are like, you know, three things right next to each other yeah. on the board. And oh, here, uh, t- remove this little uh, jumper and put it back. On. No, no. Yeah. And then when, well, oh, my God, uh, I back in the day when when you had to like every time you installed hardware, you had to move jumpers around to give it the right interrupter. Your computer wouldn't boot. Yes. Remember that? Yes. That oh, my God. I mean, the the last thing I did. And it was just because the piece of crap XPS 15 Dell laptop I bought, which I've never been happy with. I should have just blown the thing up when I got it. The killer Wi-Fi card that came with it was notorious for being crap. So I did what every good grumpy old Ben's listener would do. And I bought an Intel Wi-Fi card and replaced that myself. And if you want to talk about the smallest connector you've ever seen, it was on this Wi-Fi card to connect it to the motherboard inside the laptop. But hey, even with shitty eyes and shitty hands, we managed to be able to do it. But it wasn't fun. And of course, the screws on the bottom of the thing immediately just destroyed themselves when you took them off because they were made out of such soft oh, yeah. metal that um, I knew this going in. So I did order replacement screws that actually use just the good old fashioned Phillips head. So that's much easier to get into this thing now. I don't know why companies ins- like they think they're like fooling people or that nobody's going to figure out. You just have to buy a different screwdriver to get in. I mean, what's the, what's the point? The, the the most frustrating laptop I ever had to get on. I, I shit you not. It wasn't screws. It used rivets. Top rivets. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You are never taking this apart. <laughs> well, how'd you get in? That's a real dick move. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I was sitting here like at some point I would like pull, pull, pull. Okay, this isn't coming loose. What it's oh, it's a uh and then like you get the pliers and you end up stripping the head off the rivets and now you can't even get at it. Like, fuck this, I'm just cutting the thing around it. Throw yeah, a piece of a duct tape over it. And like drum. Sometimes it. you could drill through the, the very center of it and it'll Yeah, and into but, the motherboard. <laughs> well, I mean, just depending on what it was that was or where it's at. Is what yeah. I think. Your mileage may vary after that. True. Yeah, it's true. You mentioned Legos. I just wanted to mention the most awesome Lego kit I ever got. It was not Lego brand. It was a off-brand compatible, but they were fully compatible. They were made out of die cast aluminum. Ooh. See, now that's kind of that, cool. That is the kind of Lego that I like. You know, the really problem cool. is, you know, when you step on one, um, it not only injures <laughs> your foot, but that, I mean, that, that thing, it, it, it injects the aluminum about a half inch into your foot and then you'll never get to use that piece again. But that could easily be solved by picking up your Legos. Yeah. Pick up your toys, Bemrose. No, that's not what we did when we were kids. 
Well, no, you actually wanted to set up like a minefield. Yeah, we, so if anybody we wanted the minefield for the because it keeps you know little kids. You can you can get your feet in between them. Parents, their big ass feet, you know, could never come into the room. It was perfect. But I, I do like the companies. I mean, they, they mainly seem to be Chinese knockoffs. No big deal. That and no surprise that are making those Lego copies. And it, it you can like make your own. And I don't know why there's not a bigger market out there for this kind of stuff where i know they make they like recreate what lego comes out with so i know lego makes the big you know millennium falcon they make the cinderella's castle from disney world well you can go and get the parts pieces and order like the all the knockoff stuff for like one tenth of the price that you would actually buy the lego set for and well i i know this isn't a popular position but i never liked lego kits because every kit came with like 50% 50% generic pieces and 50% pieces that were so super specific. Yes. You could never use them on anything, but the one build that the kit was for. And for me, the glory of Legos is you build whatever comes in the kit. And then you take the shit apart and you build something else that isn't, doesn't have detail instructions because that's creativity. Well, it is. So I always like the generic blocks, all the things that could be used in lots of different ways, not the, you know, the the one piece that was perfectly molded to look exactly like you know Luke's lightsaber or something, and could never be used for anything else because it looked like Luke's fucking lightsaber. Well, I just want somebody to be able to tell me what pieces I need to buy to do something like build the original Comiskey Park because there was a there's a project I'll find the um, those are called bricks. Yeah, I know, but you a know, mortar and steel I beams <laughs> and an engineering firm. I meant out of Legos, but. Uh, Okay, I don't think it would hold up. That that's a lot of pressure to be putting on plastic. There's a guy depends on how big the blocks are. Right, that is true. <laughs> if you had really big blocks, you might be able to get away with it. Uh, there was a guy that completely used the original. You need a place to put it. Right. Well, that's there was they they where they knocked the old one down. It's a parking lot now, but I mean nobody's using it because nobody shows up. You can't go to games, so the parking lot's there. There was a guy who did a whole project. He was an architect, and he totally went into whatever the software that he uses as an architect, used the original blueprints from Comiskey Park and recreated it, then posted a bunch of videos like you know, visually going through with all of the ramps and everything that existed inside of the place. And it's like, see, now something like that, if I could just take that and then go to a site and go, I want to build this out of Legos and I want it to be, I mean, like the one of the, the Disney, uh, the, the uh, Star Wars destroyers, is like over four feet long. I'm like, you know how cool that would be to have like a four foot by four foot replica of a stadium like that. I would build that. That would be cool. But nobody makes well, you them. said we well, said the guy was an architect. Perhaps he he made plans. Be like, dude, and he could he could give them to a, a manufacturer to you know. Yeah. Well, you you know that you don't even have to get somebody to make you the kit anymore. If if you can get schematics yes. and a 3D printer. Well, that's yeah, all you yeah. need these days. You just need to know what you need to build the thing. And I mean, you would probably just want to be easier to buy the bricks rather than print them yourself. But uh, it's a uh, it's an intriguing thing. And, you know, while people know, are stuck at home, I mean, the, Legos the are cool. cost of the cost of even just Lego bricks. Like you go out, have you ever cost just going out and buying bricks a la carte? At, I, there's a Lego store near here that I've done that with. Yes. And for the amount that they charge for the generic two by four fucking bricks that are one inch of plastic. You get the Chinese um, knockoffs, man. I was going to say for, for what they charge, I can go buy a damn 3d printer 
<laughs> and all of the goo to make my own bricks all and the, it'll still be cheaper all of the goo is that what they make those bricks out of goo yeah goo cool at one point it is goo until it solidifies it, or freezes it used to be oh, dinosaurs and die <laughs> <laughs> okay dinosaurs and die here in the morning on grumpy old bens but we do have a couple of people to thank as experts for today and uh, the first and foremost our buddy jay finley he is an earl of the no agenda community he is the walkman of buckeye he, he is an expert of grumpy old bens he is beyond an expert of grumpy old bens he is beyond whatever it, we call it at random thoughts a a guy that really is the patron saint of podcasters <laughs> there's no question about it he comes a in sap he, yes yes exactly he comes in at worth 100 bucks today no note no nothing i know he's been going through some back problems and some pain and we hope he's feeling better and we hope you know he gets a little bit of enjoyment out of the shows we're doing we gave him some extra added value by having john fletcher on the show today um, i sent him a couple of of yells me saying um uh walkman nice and, and finley and uh but that was a while ago that was a few months ago you know, and obviously he enjoys them. Yeah. And obviously he's an audio guy because Walkman, I mean, that is the that's the legit player. You're seeing a lot because they just hit the uh, well, that was what, like 86 or so a 96. Yeah. So, Isn't that like a one of the old style iPods? Yeah. Like 35 years ago or so was when the yeah. uh, <laughs> the cassette deck and they, the bright yellow ones. I had one of the sport ones, the bright yellow ones that had a little rubber gasket. You know, it was like, hey, you know, it's like waterproof. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna dunk this in the bathtub or nothing but uh you know when walking to the school bus in the rain it was nice to have a little walkman with I mean, the headphones sucked though i mean the headphone oh, yeah. headphone technology took a while to catch up the the foam padding on the outside that would eventually disintegrate yeah it eventually meant like within like two to three months <laughs> <laughs> these headphones self-destruct yeah well then worse than that was when they came out with the I guess this would be the precursor to the earbuds, which were basically, you know, kind of where the thing started to go into your ear and it was kind of angled, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the big foam things. They more sat in the ear. What I don't even know what they called them because they didn't, you know, fit into the ear canal. Um, uh, those they, were they circus like a, <laughs> I always thought they were, they mimicked a, a, a stethoscope. Yes, kind of. And they were not comfortable. You know, they, no. <laughs> I was like, it, I, I always thought those were made out of like the, the circus peanut candies. Well, no, that came like, after when you start going into the year. Sticking a candy corn in each year or something. Well, those are nice. That's what I use now on the, the Klipsch headphones I have. I bought some Comply tips, which are the, you know, the big soft foam. And that just molds right to your ear canal when you put them in. And that just, it keeps the world outside. It makes the base nice. And you have to make sure you get the right size. So many times you see people complaining like, uh, the headphones don't have any bass, man. And it's like they're using the smallest tip in a huge ear. And it's like, got a seal. It's just the way audio works. But people don't understand. But Walkman does. Sir Walkman of Buckeye, Earl Walkman of Buckeye, Jay Finley, Mythos. He goes by a lot of different names. I think the authorities are possibly looking for him, but we're not going to tell him where to find him. No question about it. We got your back, man. And also coming in, and this was the donation to grumpy old bands from another expert that what came with uh came with some specifications from comic strip blogger he said if i didn't win the art he wasn't going to send us a donation this month so i don't even think this should go to you at all ryan this should be all me but uh 
CSB. King, I totally goaded you into making that art. CSB comes in again with 0.0033 Bitcoin, which is about 36 bucks. Now, I mean, if Bitcoin keeps going up, he's going to have to keep sending more and more because he is basing his donation on a percentage of a Bitcoin. So as long that Bitcoin keeps going up, comic strip bloggers just has to keep sending us more money. Or if he could just send us one Bitcoin, that would be fine. We'll stop there. Just send one Bitcoin and we can stop there. And he asked that we uh, let, let you know again, as we did last time, that he has a website. And my wife really likes this stuff. I don't know what the artwork means most of the time, but I find it humorous and uh, entertaining. And you can go see that at comicstripblog.com. And if you follow along during No Agenda, if Nick the Rat puts a piece in, you'll notice a comic strip blogger knockoff within moments. He does it really quick and he does them really well and they make me laugh. So I kind of like the little war that's going on between those two guys. It's entertaining at least, but thank you comic strip blogger for supporting the little grumpy old Ben's podcast where we are Slovak friendly and that's important. Are you Slovak friendly over at a hug story? Oh yes. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. I was just thinking of, uh, further trolling csb he'll, he'll put out a piece perhaps other artists would uh do the same thing all in good fun though that's all i do when i do the art is have fun and when uh when i'm in the smoker over at hog story have fun the art is fun and that's why you know there was some there was some uh drama when the guy doing the art bot over a no agenda social decided not to post csb stuff it's like that's no fun fight Isn't that, that chick named jeff yeah it is it is the chick named jeff i think that's what his what he goes by over there and he, he just got mad at everybody including our buddy progo and uh, fletcher whoever there was everybody that changed their their uh logo or their name over there the avatar to free csb oh. i think he's blocked everybody oh yeah well, in, see, that in was his fun defense, also. you're coming to his defense ryan no in his defense uh too much internet can make anybody go crazy yeah that's I, true i get that yeah mm-hmm. but you know it's not in the that's not in the no agenda. It's certainly not in the grumpy old Ben's ethos to be that dickish. I mean, we argue quite a bit just on the show, and that's that's part of the shtick. But what doesn't? Yeah, I was going to say, what what do you mean? It's not in you to be that dickish. It's not. It's not carrying are, on. Well, you unfairly judge me every single episode. But you you signed up for that. That was in the contract, and you know the the concept is to be able to have these conversations, to be able to disagree. And this is where social media has fallen, and this is where it has failed us, where if you can't have the conversation anymore, then you lost. And I understand not everybody's going to agree with anybody else. Not everybody's going to agree with comic strip blogger. And we've had arguments where I'm like, if you just don't stop talking, I'm going to block you. <laughs> and I've done that to you know, multiple people, and it happens every now and then. But the idea is you move on. You don't just go, well, no, deleted. And, and then that's it. So. It's again a little drama. I don't know if I've all. ever blocked anybody. But you're not on it's, social media enough. Well, uh, no, I, I just I, I have a superpower that apparently doesn't exist amongst most of the population. I bet you've been which blocked. Is that I can I can disengage, walk away, and ignore people. Throw the phone in the drawer. Yeah, that's a good way. I mean, even on No Agenda Social, there's a few people where uh, like you know they annoy the piss out of me. I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to look at your shit anymore. I, Why were you? Yeah, I don't know. Your I, shit. Yeah, I I have muted a couple people because they were being especially spammy. But like, if there's a conversation, somebody's just really just not getting 
you know, they're not picking up what I'm laying down or, or they're arguing past me. I'm like, okay, I don't need to be here anymore. Maybe it's, maybe I just don't suffer from the, the illness that appears in on the internet all the time where, uh, if someone is wrong, then you have to correct them. I don't, I, I, I mean, lots of people are wrong. That's a full-time job, man. I don't have time to correct everybody on the internet. You just correct me two hours a day, two days a week. And, and that's one of the reasons that I don't have time to correct everybody <laughs> because just correcting you takes four hours a week. Yeah, it's a full-time gig. And we appreciate everybody that supports Grumpy Old Benz. If you'd like to do so, we work on the value for value model. Go to grumpyoldbenz.com. Click that donate button. Join us on Patreon. We did have a new Patreon. Come, dude, come in. We'll be talking about that on the next show because it'll be the first one, I think, of the new of the new month. Or will that be? Uh, yeah, that'll be on Friday. So we'll be talking about him and I, Sergeant Fred. I, I'm sorry. Still haven't gotten to the uh, post office box. I will before Friday. I promise because I know Sergeant Fred had something in there like a week or so ago. We have not forgotten about Sergeant Fred, but you click on one of those donate buttons. Use the Patreon. Who, use the Sergeant QR Fred? code. Yes, it's all my fault. Sergeant oh. Fred <laughs> in this case. but. Uh, Anything people need to know besides, you know, hog story? What are you guys doing? Like six nights a week now? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, eight nights a week. Uh, <laughs> hey, really? I, eight? Hey, they've got to try to keep up with you, Darren. I know. I'm on the stream five days a week, and it's a lot of fun, and we can That's do more. That's why it's a lot of fun. That's, uh, you know, the main reason right there. We have a lot of fun. Hogstory.net. There is a, a channel on zero node. You can get in there. That's hashtag hogstory. Very simple. And you can follow Fletcher on Twitter. Or- no agenda social. Or we used to call it back in the day. It was pound hog story. Pound hog pound story. It. Yes. Pound it, brother. You got to pound it. And uh, I, I hear that Carolyn Blaney was interested in doing. Well, I mean, I hear because she told me she was interested in doing the rock and roll pre-show with me next Sunday before no agenda. I'm like, sure. Not going to say no to that. Oh, that'll be cool. She'll uh, she'll bring some uh, north of the border ex- uh, experience yeah to the show she said she wanted me to expand my horizons of canadian bands and i'm like there's uh, there's more than rush <laughs> i mean pretty i thought well, that yeah, was it nickelback no really nickelback's canadian oh yeah well we, we americans don't want him <laughs> yeah i can i can see that i mean i know brian adams i mean there you go that's my okay canadian bands that i would read that i would and, know and bieber and rec okay bieber I wouldn't have wouldn't have thought of him. I'm kind of scared that you does, are that. Uh, does Neil Young still count? Oh, shit. Yeah. Although he's an American citizen now. But yeah, I'm, I don't want him. So, yeah, let's send. Uh, you got him <laughs> Canadian. So we got Neil Young, Rush, Brian Adams, Bieber, I guess Nickelback. And if Cold Acid was in the troll, he'd be the one going down all the list because he gives me guys that it's like, you know, Billy Joe Bob and the Ice Fishers and stuff like that. And it's like, I never heard of them. But. I'm uh, sure. Oh, yeah, we the, forgot Celine Dion. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Wait, we're trying, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to bring her in. Um, I, it, no, my, my favorite Canadian band, The Arrogant Worms. The Arrogant Worms. Huh. Oh, The Bare Naked Look Ladies. Them up. Oh, yeah. I, I do mean, like me some Bare Naked Ladies. And with that, yes. I'd like to thank John Fletcher for joining us here on another fun-filled edition of Grumpy Old Ben's. Uh, come back anytime. I mean, especially, you know, if you want to come in and replace Ryan. I mean, we had that one show we did. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that was this morning. Oh, no, no. You you talked too. you were just I was waiting. I was I kept looking at clean feed like 
he's been quiet for a while. Then I see you being snarky in the troll room, like they're talking about things that I don't know about. So I'll just play Sudoku. <laughs> I'm like, little bitch, come on. We get Fletcher on. We're going to talk some music. That's the what, you know, we, we talk. I know I, I'm cool with talking music. You were talking about no agenda show art. Oh, well, I'm Which good is at that. interesting to like seven artists in the no agenda community. And they well, all don't listen. have an opinion on any art that shows up. You don't look at that and go, oh, I don't have an opinion art. on anything. Oh, that's what I've heard. That's what the I've dude heard. abides. Come back. <laughs> Come back on Friday. Will you hear Sir Bemrose have no opinions on anything? Cold Acid will be joining us. Uh, so maybe he can give me a Canadian music primer that will put Ryan to sleep. Uh, we'll see. But thanks for joining us, Fletcher. And thanks for having me. With that, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather's getting cooler, but it's not getting any better. And from America's left coast, where the new hot pastime is moving out, I'm Ryan Bemrose.